or after reading that law line, I will be arrested for not taking a fucking vaccine. This is not a fucking joke anymore. This is fucking dead serious. I am fucking dead serious. These people don't know who the fuck they're actually playing with. Yeah, in a coup they might come and fucking intimidate me and whatnot. But fuck, they do not understand what the fuck just one person like myself is capable of. They do not fucking understand. No fucking vaccine or MRA will ever flow through my fucking blood blood. Never! I will fucking die fucking fighting for my forefathers and my fucking lineage. Fuck these motherfuckers. So uh, combat, combat, combat uh, is what we're aiming for, folks. Uh, today, uh, I'm going to be streaming with the powerful uh, Sparkus, and uh, he dropped a <laughs> intriguing uh, substack yesterday. And uh, I think, considering the tenor and direction that this channel takes that we we need to uh as we say push that as uh, as much as we can so uh i'm going to quickly go through the intro i hope the soundboard's going to behave maybe ah yeah okay uh if you're wondering who i am that's my name dr kevin mccann i am a real scientist i mean real i'm here fighting on the front lines to make sure that those tech fascist lick spittles don't put you into a digital gulag so uh, if you want to find out who i am you can go to ResearchGate. uh you can find all the metrics there or other places where they uh deliver top tier science uh, information uh, but in the uh, the tip of the spear edge of the knife of the information warfare you've got to have your own digital trench that's right folks uh, mccairndojo.com please bookmark that where you can stay where you can find me basically and 
ways to get in touch with me. Uh, and of course, more importantly, uh, you can't fight a war with just uh, rage alone. No, you need bullets. And to buy bullets, you need money and uh if you would like to become a patreon please please consider it uh, but even better please uh send uh donos to wtyl.live forward track tip jar go to that link or fauci.monster in your browser uh if you've been debanked like i have uh from Stream fags and gay pal, you can still use it. Uh, you can press that link there. Buy me a coffee, of course, works. Subscribe, star, any manner of digital tulips. Join the Discord chat uh, where you can... Uh, I'm on there all day, uh, all hours, so you can literally DM me. I'll respond back as quick as uh, humanly, humanly possible. And if you would like an email for when we go live, register to be notified. That's a paid service, so... Uh, Please use it or it'll go away. And, of course, you can watch the stream on McCannDojo.live as, as we're live. And the, um, well, you just don't have to uh, log in to the matrix, matrix, matrixes server or the matrices server, maybe. Uh, all right, so that's the uh, babble out the way. Oh, yeah, of course, one last thing. Remind everyone, um, look, in order to fight this fight, we have to be able to less reliance on the corporate infrastructure right now and so we we own uh, a, a digital oasis out there where you can stream and you can upload videos and you know i don't want fucking cat videos etc we want hard to source information information that makes people uncomfortable so uh yes so that's where much of the expense goes and uh to feed in the uh tax evading blick uh, in the left hand corner there and finally finally i want to say thank you uh to joanna and i think it was danger mouse i missed uh tips yesterday from them i believe so i will do a quick uh what can i do for you uh this one did i'll do uh what's his face that is me uh i am a legit scientist or published in she she uh, right uh and uh shout out to anando boof straight in there and uh yes keep us fighting in the trenches good sir i salute you uh everyone uh follow Orlando. <laughs> Send them shackles whilst uh, I try to get in touch with uh, my good friend, uh, Sparkus. Let's do this. I'm calling right now. Um, of course, it's all going down on the uh, lab origin front. I have to say the long horse. Oh, can you hear me, bro? Hey. Hey, how's it going? Good, man. How are you? Pretty good. Um, that, uh, that new road, sir, sounding uh, very uh, resonant. Yeah, it's um, it, it picks up a lot of the the bass register that my other mics did not. So yes, you uh, even uh, more warming dulcet tones. I always look forward to these streams, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I can just let you talk and uh, just <laughs> dream away. All right. <laughs> so um, yeah, I, I just um, had a, a uh, another article out recently about the the Matt Hancock stuff. Mm. Um, so former UK health secretary, Matt Hancock and his aides, um, were back and forth in, uh, what WhatsApp 
um, about when they should like deploy the latest variant, you know, when, when, like, when do we like go to the press with this information to try and, and rile people up and, and, and scare them into accepting the lockdowns kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, I just, just as a, an aside to that, how, how disturbing that, um, the, the government of that country, I mentioned this before, but we'd just be using WhatsApp for ministerial chit chat. Um, how, how disturbing. Yes. <laughs> It's shocking. Um, you know, it's 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 surprising to me that that they don't really have um, like more professional tools to do that sort of thing. And I mean, they do exist. There are lots of of collaborative tools and and chat applications that people can use that are that are secure. Um, but using like WhatsApp for <laughs> it's um, it's kind of it's shocking. Um, any of this commercial software is just, uh, of course, is backdoored by these uh, the, the entities that want total full spectrum dominance in the information domain. It's, yep, no, it's um, uh, you know WhatsApp and um, and TikTok. They're I mean just backdoored from top to bottom. Yes. Um, and. The thing about this is that um, I, in that article, I also mentioned uh, Johnny Vedmore's coverage of Nicole Junkerman. Um, that was a name that actually came up during the um, the freelance investigations into Jeffrey Epstein because she is a uh, Jeffrey Epstein connected figure. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, Matt Hancock basically gave her a, a backdoor into the NIH and to, into their health databases for um, everyone that, excuse me, um, the, uh, the NHS rather, um, brain fart, um, the UK's, uh, the NHS, um, and, uh, uh, yes, they're, uh, yeah, they're just, a... just all the, all the UK's, uh, health data for their, uh, for, I mean, for everyone that was in the NHS. Mm, yeah. Um, like, and that's, I mean, like everybody. (laughs) Well, um, unless, unless you're part of the Matt Hancock class where you're, you you don't have to use the NHS and, you know, this is, look, it's, it's been a long, long debate in the UK about privatizing the NHS and, you know, the, they've been inching it forward for a long, long time with promises of making it more efficient, letting the free market run a government enterprise, basically, which is the the health service in the UK, which is free at point of contact. Um, And generally, generally I'm, I I did okay by it. It's, um... Well, I mean, there are a lot of people who have been advocating for uh, nationalized healthcare um, in the U.S., but um, there are also a lot of people who've been worried, who, who've you know seen like the the waiting list that people get put on in Canada and stuff, and and in the U.K. and and then get worried about that, and it's like, oh, but I, I like my current like employee spo- employer sponsored um, uh, health insurance. So um, you know, this is, there's a lot of people in here in the in the U.S. are divided on that. Um, but at the same time, it's like, you know, um, 
a lot of people go um go to the hospital for things that are that are actually really minor um here in the u.s then end up like practically bankrupt uh, it's, um, someone someone said there's a slight echo when i speak when i speak or sparker speaks why is that if you look uh, i don't have any open is it me or sparker centipede let me know slight echo when i speak hmm are you, how are you listening, bro? Are you on headphones? I'm on headphones. Mm, I don't know. Anyone else getting it? Chat, please <laughs> tell me. All right, you, you. If I'm no echo here, okay. it's better now. Uh, yeah, he's saying it's not there. Okay. Um, All right. Sorry, dude. Um, I, I broke your chain of thought. Um, um, oh no, it's fine. Um, hopefully, um, it's not picking up my headphones through the microphone here maybe um, turn the gain a little down on your microphone yeah let me see here um tear it down a little bit how about now yeah it's good you may be a little on the quiet i mean you're peaking on my end but i don't know how the balance sounds give me a sound check how's it sound yeah it sounds good sounds good all right echo all gone i hope so we'll see all right let's let's try and so uh, look I, let's i, I want to dive a little bit into nicole junkerman and who she who she is because i think it's i think it's very uh, very very important that people understand exactly who and what she is and the the role that she could be playing in a much larger program um she's a, a biotech investor um she's linked to to um was linked to jeffrey epstein and uh ehud barak and uh and peter thiel and that whole ring of people so um basically the fact that Matt Hancock gave someone like that like a back door into the NHS is is alarming and disturbing on itself. But um, uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say um, Matt Hancock was simping a little bit in this respect. Yeah. <laughs> um, she she's also connected to a, a company called Carbine Nine One One. That's like. Um, uh, the name has become like a like a um, a call center provider for like nine one one calls. Mm. And you guess like so what the heck's going on with that? It's like why is it that um, you have a like a private company that is made up of former spooks essentially, um, like like making like a like a call center contractor uh, to um, to route our our emergency all our emergency calls through. Here in the U.S., it's like, what the hell's going on with that? You know. Yeah. So, what's the evidence for her being associated with Epstein? Well, apart from, apart from the uh, <laughs> apart from the looks. Um, um, let's well, let's go over the the article. Um, Vedmore's article. Uh, she was on the fl the flight the flight manifest. Oh. Yeah. Epstein's Imagine flight that. logs. Imagine that, folks. Imagine that. 
Okay. <laughs> it's um, yeah, it's pretty shocking. Oh, it's, it's it's in the uh, the first paragraph. So Jeffrey Epstein's Lolita Express private jet on several occasions. She appears to be German-born Israeli state intelligence operative based in London. The next model, whose name appeared in the Panama Papers from Mossack Fonseca Leaks, who became yep. embroiled in a thief... <laughs> Jesus, she gets around. Dirty slag. Corruption <laughs> 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 scandal with Sepp Blatter and his family, which is perhaps the closest example that you could possibly find to a real-life Bond girl. She's almost completely unknown to the majority of us. Yes, this is my first time uh, coming across her. Maybe I'll be cooming later, but... Um, Daphne Daphne Galizia, the um, the, uh, the the journalist that was, I think, I, I believe, if I remember correctly, most uh, most central to the um, the leaks of the uh, the Panama Papers, the Mossack Fonseca Papers. Um, she actually uh, she was murdered in uh, in 2017 uh, while reporting on corruption in Malta. So basically, the mob there car bombed her. No shit. Yeah. Uh, these people don't mess around. Once once you start honing in on their networks, they get um they get down they get serious. And yeah. you know, the Yeah, I I expect in the current environment uh to be seeing a lot more that type of thing happening as they try to cover their what would essentially be loose ends right now. Yeah. But the... So there, there's a... The, the call out for that ambulance, that was US or UK, you said? Um, that's uh, it's actually... Um, uh, I believe it was in the US. Uh, Carbine 911 is a contractor that was formed um by a bunch of like israeli um uh like ex-intelligence guys um to uh to route 911 calls so basically um cities would pay them to act as a contractor uh so that any any 911 calls not just for, for ambulance but also for um for police or fire or any everything uh, would be routed through this call center and then routed to dis 911 dispatchers at individual stations. Mm. So um, very suspicious that they're they're just privatizing all of that. Yeah, um, yeah. and this uh, you know this goes a lot back to the like predictive crime models. Yes, that, that goes right to that. I mean, they, they're doing that, I believe, in, uh, I think, in Vancouver. Um, uh, in, in uh, Let me see if I can look that up. Um, in Canada, they're using algorithmic policing. Mm. Um, I just put a, um, uh, a URL yeah. there in the, in the live stream chat. And, um, yeah, they're using like algorithmic, like predictive policing to try and determine where, like, which neighborhoods are going to have the highest likelihood of having a crime. And then they just send cops to patrol around there until something happens. Mm. Mm. Yeah. 
So mm-hmm. that's that's one example. And the thing is, a lot of these private intelligence firms are are using essentially um, like big data and algorithmics to try and and pull um, to try and divine the future. Yeah. Basically, a digital dowsing rod um, to try and pull that sort of information out of the data. So it's just, yeah. I mean, it's just shocking, you know. Yeah, so this is this is why the push towards digital IDs and the tracking is so dangerous. Um, because well, where this is going, where where they're trying to go with this is full blown algorithmic governance to mm-hmm. the point where um, your local representatives basically just become figureheads and they don't don't have any role in um in governance whatsoever instead you just have ais and and big data and um the internet of 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 things internet of bodies smart cities and so on uh tracking people gathering as much information as possible on their their vital signs um their their uh just their their attitude their their uh their physical condition their emotional states and so on and and determining if someone's going to be a threat like like preemptively by looking at things like elevated pulse um using uh using cameras with um uh image enhancement algorithms to um to look at people's emotional states by examining like their uh um uh well their their heart rhythm based on the like the flashing of their skin that's something they can actually do yeah believe yeah. it or not yeah and you know much of this comes down to the so so when you're in an in a i don't know an agitated state such that you were looking to i don't know blow someone's car up right exactly <laughs> that um you you'll tend to display repetition or instability in behaviors that will stand out and you know it's it's a lot of what i used to do with the monkeys right was you, know, you have a normal repertoire of behaviors and but by them the behavior by itself is not normally problematic but it's the frequency with which it occurs so you know you might bite your fingernails for example right okay you do that once twice but if you're doing it constantly it's telling you that something something is not or, or that you're you're increasing internal agitation i guess would be yep one way of looking at it and you know the this but the so where where i was with respect to that type of data was really in the domain where you know there there are people who are you know obsessive compulsive type disorders they've got to lock the door 20 times or wash mm-hmm. their hands endlessly etc and the um the idea was that we would be able to sort of stun the networks back into normal to to sort of break that behavioral chain and uh, in well you know the 
issue issue was that I was very much like when, like when people have like OCD. Yeah, 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 mm. exactly yeah. that. When and, they have this like compulsive behaviors like that. Yeah, and the you know what what I was doing was trying to build out these predictive systems, and you know the the systems got so good in the time that I was doing this work right from from the earliest day where it was a job to just quantify behavior through and i, I remember in my phd too it was so painful because n nothing was digital back then i was having to do it on vhs cassette stop start start and um it was incredibly incredibly frustrating to pick out these so they're they're called ethograms i think eth ethnograms mm. that, which basically just means a quantification of outwardly observed behaviors and mm. the idea being you look at a colony or a individual monkey you get the baseline for that and then you see how that you know you go in modulate brain networks and it it changes and yeah, and you get increased aggression that, in those states um, but during right. during that time, you know, as digitalization began to emerge, the and it it got to the point where the well, I I, I think once the connect became sort of I don't know, but you know what I mean by connect, the little uh, PlayStation, Xbox. Oh right, right. The uh, the motion tracking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like once, once. Uh, that... Did you did you know that um, the the company that did the technology for Connect was actually bought out by Apple? Huh. Interesting. And um, the uh, the Face ID system on the the newer um, iPhones is basically the same exact technology as the Connect. Hmm. It's it uses. Um, Structured light with a uh, an infrared projector that projects it projects a grid of dots mm. on someone's face, and that looks at the the spacing of the the uh, kind of the the non repeating grid of dots, and yeah. it extracts extracts depth information from all of that, and from that it's able to actually construct a three dimensional image of someone's face. So, mm. um, face I mean, ID I, I can on, on literally, an iPhone, I, I can show an example of that in the monkeys right now. So keep keep talking, what's that? Um, face ID on an iPhone doesn't actually um, like use uh, 2D image recognition. It actually uses 3D recognition of the contours of someone's face. Mm. So must I'm doing that? I keep going. I was going to take me a while to dig this out, but yeah, the uh, the depth cameras and the um, well, and just just the processing power that emerged over the last 10, 20 years, began to, I don't know, make my, my job superfluous. And Connect, is, um, Connect is a pretty wild piece of hardware. I, I heard of um, uh, like, like surgeons using it to uh, manipulate like x-rays and stuff to um, like, like, you know, so they wouldn't have to take off like bloody gloves and stuff. They could actually look over the, like the patient's radiology stuff and, and manipulate it using uh gesture controls with connect and um and then go back right back to operating on someone yeah yeah and you know this is this is where the it's it's a direction that we're heading 
um, very, very rapidly. And, you know, this, you know, once, you, once you're able to start stacking data sets across different scales, right? So, you know, molecular into genotype, phenotype. Yeah. Then, then comes the organism's behavior, and then, and then you start stacking on all, all the digital information that they do. They've already got. I, I, I would argue. That's uh, that's the the key thing with with technocracy. Uh, the important thing for people to keep in mind, and the reason why it seems so alien to people, where they can't really grasp. You know what what's going on with this um, this hypothetical system of, of governance? Um, it's because people are are used to the notion of having agency over our own lives. We're used to um, being able to vote um, for representatives that that espouse beliefs similar to our own and that that allegedly put those beliefs into practice in the form of policies. Um, so we're used to having choices, but the whole idea behind technocracy is that people don't have a choice, that everything is just kind of deterministic, that, you know, that you are a product of your genetics, um, your behaviors result from your, your, your genes and your environment and your upbringing. And, uh, free will isn't a real thing. You know, it, it basically, you're just a machine. That's that's kind of the perspective that these people have, and when you you talk about people collecting all this this genomics information and trying to trying to reverse engineer human beings effectively, um, and determine which genes govern what behavior, what sort of brain development, and so on and so forth, that it's because they're coming from that perspective of human beings as machines, as with strictly defined inputs and outputs. Very much so. Let me sh share my screen with you real quick. Dude. Uh, maybe you've seen this before, but for people who are new here, it's maybe worth quickly sort of going over. Um, right. You see that? I mean, it, it, it'll look a bit sort of messy at the moment, but... Um, ah. so, right, so this is the IR laser. Um, yep. And it, it'll, so the monkey is in a box, right? And you can sort of see the 3D. Nice. Right. So is that like a point cloud? Yeah, yeah. And so, and you know, this, this is just built off a connect module. <laughs> nice. Right yep um yeah people have been using like hacked connects with um uh like aftermarket firmware to be able to do this sort of thing um yeah and so it's... you know in, in, a monkey in the box is relatively easy right and so um you give the training set to the to the animal so a bit like and say so people can go back and look at my earliest publications where we were we were trying to quantify how much behavioral expression was being done and so you know we had years and years and you know knowing what to look for in this particular data set um it, it was generally relatively easy to come up with weighted 
predictions for what the animal is doing, right? And I, I know it's probably a little blurry, but here it's just then the animals sitting and looking around, and um, it's giving a a weight to the animal. In this case, so if you go in and put a bicuculum, which is a GABA antagonist, into particular nodes, then you'll get contralateral, meaning turning to the other, other side of the hemisphere that you put it in, okay? Because the right side will control the left side of the body, etc. You're, you're familiar with yep. that? Yeah. And, um, yeah, look, I, I was, this is what I say to people. I, would, I was looking to, I'd sold this to the highest bidder back then, and I would have been on the other side of the equation because on top of all that comes the the behavioral quantification with neural activity across networks plus the deep brain stimulation and i'll I'll just let this play in the background and um you know it was nearly 20 years worth of hard graph to get to this point across you know i had to travel across multiple labs etc and you know t towards the end of my sort of tenure i guess it got to the point where the point clouds were almost becoming unnecessary because the multiple angle views with just rgb video the alg you know the deep learning algorithms were consummate in being able to pick out behavior again on the human scale in the monkey it needed to be engineered out but in humans it was there and you know i just i just think of all the people who were leaping around in front of their xbox and that thing was snapping up their data yep and beaming it back to to central hq right and exactly <laughs> and the thing is the better these ai algorithms get at decoding that information um the better that they'll they'll get at uh at pulling it from lower and lower quality data sets so it's like you said they went from uh, from point cloud to uh, being able to pull it right from the the RGB uh, vi uh, the, the video. Now, what if you know you're able to pull human behavioral data from some really really substandard surveillance from something that's that is like really really faint, like um, like reflected RF in a building or something? Mm, yeah, think uh -huh. of. <laughs> It's uh... <laughs> it's frightening, and you know this is this is why that um, that battleground of digital privacy is such a, such an important one, and I would I would put it up there with well with as high as any other on the the culture war aspect. Yeah, but the so, know, um... go ahead. oh go ahead go ahead. No, I mean, I was, I, I wanted to sort of, just, looking at monkeys is giving trigger in my PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, yeah. Uh, well, what should we say? 
I, I wanted I wanted to bring it back to the importance of this junkerman lady. Yeah, um, she invests in all sorts of things. Uh, Cambrian Biopharma. It's a technology that's that's involved in like um, it's a, it's a technology company that's um, involved in like uh, longevity tech and um, wait, Cambrian uh, meaning like uh, the yeah, yep. geographical area. Yes. Okay. Yep. And uh, LV, um, this company that makes like Internet of Bodies type technology. Um, actually, one thing that they're they're making is like a like something like an internet enabled like Kegel exerciser thing for women. It's kind of strange, <laughs> but it's like why does that have to be internet enabled? It's like the, the thing about the, the internet of bodies and the internet of things that I always used to ask myself is like why do we need this? Mm. It's like what what problem does this solve? It's, it seemed to me like a solution in search of a problem. Mm. Um, it's um, and well, till, till I you felt, understand I what that the... way. The problem is right when you when you well you're heading in the right direction so i'm not gonna um... i i felt that way like uh like a decade ago when i first started hearing about this iot stuff uh going in everywhere it's like why do we need this why do we need um and i've, I've said this before uh, but like why do we need like picture frames that have like um that are like internet enabled and why does everyone need like a like a screen built on the front of the refrigerator it's um it's kind of silly to me that we would pack electronics into every little thing into flower pots into 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 bathroom mirrors it's like they they want to put them in everything and it just see it just struck me as immensely wasteful because you think about how much e-waste there is out there um how many thousands of tons of electronics end up in landfills every year it's like and now we're going to have like this new waste stream from iot garbage and so on the one hand, you have these people that are saying, like, we need to be very environmentally conscious. But on the other hand, they want to pack microchips into every goddamn thing. It just struck me as as really, really um, contradictory yeah, and to, hypocr hypocritical. Till to, to you, to you understand what their motivations are. And the all, all these what seem like disparate data points in a in a big data context you can you can see why they would lean into trying to build the net out right for for surveillance now it does seem it does seem a little like overkill when virtually everyone in a west first world country will have a smartphone at this point or at least computer access well, people have um, Fitbits and Apple Watches and stuff, and and those are are pulling their you know it's 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 um, pulling out their uh, their pulse data, their their O2 saturation. Um, it has an accelerometer, so it knows if they're they're sitting or standing or, or running around. Um, so you have a device that's internet enabled that's potentially sending all those data points to a um, to a data center somewhere and it's none of this is subject to hipaa people don't realize that they think that that oh it's it's my um it's like smartwatch or it's my fi uh, fitbit and they think um oh you know my data is protected by privacy laws because of it's like a medical device sort of but it's not because when you have a consumer device like that that's not under like a covered identity that's not actually um it, it, here in the u.s anyway if you have 
a uh, like something that's elective, like like a Fitbit or a, or an Apple Watch that's not covered by health insurance. Um, it's not subject to HIPAA. It's not subject to to medical privacy laws at all. So people's data can just be, you know, collected and traded like anything else, just like like tracking cookies online. Pokemon, gotta get them all, bro. <laughs> yeah, gotta catch them all. It's um. And the thing about it is it not just that, but that data can also be like so like Apple could take uh, their users if they wanted to or or I mean, they could take their users um, uh, Apple Watch data and then send it off to some private intelligence firm that specializes in an AI like algorithmic uh, breakdowns of the data. And then they could try and extract data points from that like are people in this geographic location experiencing excessive levels of stress indicated by their, their like heart rhythm abnormalities and so on and so forth. Uh, and, and go on. Oh, no, go ahead. Well, I was, I was going to say, so one of the, uh, you say objections that people have that as, as a counter to this idea that they're building this digital Nopticon is that they've they've got too much data that they they would it's like looking for the proverbial needle in a haystack but well that's why they're building out all this AI infrastructure it's because they want needle in a haystack finders mm. um, they for years and years they had they they've had big data and they've had no idea what to do with it because they, they can't I mean, human beings cannot reasonably be expected to sift through petabytes and petabytes of, of this this sort of information and and expect to find anything of, of value. But mm. but uh, machine learning algorithms uh, with sufficient training can definitely extract yeah. um, all sorts of data points from these massive, unimaginably massive data sets. Mm. So. Um... You know, try how to explain to people how that's done in a comprehensible manner. So, in in effect, there would be classic and non-classic ways, or black box ways, of reducing down the data to minimal dimensions and interrelationships. And so... There's a, are you familiar with hidden Makoff processes? Um, yeah, I've heard of them. It's like so, a Markov chains. So. Yeah, Makoff chains, basically. And essentially it's a way of, you know, what, what seems to, to the human eye, you know, if you looked at the raw data, you know, it's a very, very complex, three-dimensional Excel sheet, if you like. And mm -hmm. it's able to compress along to be looking for, well, changes above the mean across each row, column, and the vector, if you like. And right. the, that is one way of doing it. And the other is the deep learning black box approaches which is to give it a set of inputs and it's it starts finding these interrelationships through essentially a mimicking of 
the or, or what they a cybernetic understanding of reward in in computational networks that yep. if if there is something building up in these networks um it it is the equivalent of like a dopamine puff Oops. and your um it'll it'll wait that particular or, or those particular nodes through through the data set and the yeah i don't know what what whilst i was really in it the the, the deep learning really was beginning to power ahead in terms of its i don't know the, the carrying capacity to look for these these signals in the data and you know that that should concern people when i heard when... recently um on on Brooke Jackson's uh Twitter um she mentioned that Pfizer were were giving the, uh, their um their trial data to um uh companies that were involved in like like deep learning like algorithmic kind of um data breakdowns and um let, let's see if i have the link here and they um the founder of the company, uh, Suresh Kata, um, the founder of, of this, this company here, uh, Sama, uh, said our platform was, was really not familiar with vaccine studies at all. So mm -hmm. they, they had no prior experience in, in vaccine studies or, I mean, who even knows if they had any real biotech experience. And they plugged the data into their AI platform and they're like, yeah, it looks, it looks better now. I mean, now that it came out the other end, it's like, how can they even validate the data? Right. So. Uh, yeah, and this is this is something again. I've been mentioning it a lot in the past couple of weeks that this informatics type approach and engineering approach has become to dominate the life sciences, the neurosciences, etc. And you know, the yes, it's it's the right question to ask, which is how how valid is that data? But then they they can iterate it enough times, and you could make an argument that with the data that they managed to collect in the especially the last three years, once everyone was getting swapped, yep, and the uh, just prior to that, just through well again, I don't know like consumer tracking i guess right yeah you know people people handing over like you said their their biometrics is their apple watch was cool and mm -hmm. and it comes down to this what did you call it digital divining rod something like that um, dowsing rod dowsing rod yeah and 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 that's what that that's what they're selling right and well the you know i it, I wonder, you know, I often sort of play with the idea of how much the decision making in the last three years had literally just become hands off and the machines were dictating the pace of where and when to go. That's a that's a very, very good question. Um, so like so, for instance, Nicole Junkerman um, invests in this, uh, this other company called Alkin. 
that uh, specializes in tailoring therapeutics to people based on on using a machine learning approach to analyze their their like genomic data. So like someone like has their gene sequencing done, and then they they have that data fed into um, this AI platform, and and then it spits out like a tailored therapeutic regimen for them. Um, Alkin, let me see. Go ahead and put the link there in the chat. Um, and a, there are a lot of these startups um, that specialize in AI and big data that that don't really. Um, and they're they're formed by by like techies who aren't really i mean a lot of them aren't really like biotech guys mm-hmm. uh, some of them are but it's like but but some other ones are like just essentially like silicon valley guys that just kind of like somehow wormed their way into biotech mm-hmm. with with very little in the way of like biotech priors you know so mm. well, it's um you know i would i would just put in my own personal experience which was that you know what started off as my my doctorate i guess starting there and so bookend it there the the data was getting so complex and the, the simple fact is is that the computer scientists were able to handle data sets that the average biologist would find intractable right and especially as things like tensorflow began to emerge on the scene and you know the nvidia packages that they had for scripting these languages and i've messed around with some of that stuff myself i've downloaded like python scripts Mm -hmm and stuff to be able to run um, like AI algorithms on, on my, uh, my graphics card um, to, um, to do like voice changer stuff, to mess, mess mm. around with that and uh, turn, your, turn your voice into like the voice of a fictional character kind of a thing, you know, stuff like that. So uh, you were just feeding the beast, my friend. <laughs> right. And the weird, the weird thing is that these, these uh, AI black boxes actually seem to work they i mean they they are are actually extracting some pretty surprising data points from these huge intractable data sets and um i mean just look at stable diffusion and and mid journey it's like in how they they've um they've applied machine learning to these huge data like uh, data sets of images with um um with with text descriptions of them and then now you have like a text prompt they they can like take like a denoising algorithm and essentially extract the image like like from that from the latent space from the, the the neural network and just i mean it's it's amazing what they're able to do yeah it's it's frightening right now in the current environment and you know, which lead us into Junkerman and Mossad. Why? Why would Mossad be front and center in this uh, push all the time? And they they have been for a long, long time. Um, it's not just them; no, it's everyone. Yeah. It's like it's the CIA, MI6. I mean, who even knows what they've got in terms of 
of data centers and big iron that they're running. They, pr they probably have um, data centers off the books uh, just full of, um, of NVIDIA, like deep learning chips. And they're probably applying these same exact algorithms to all sorts of, of data points extracted from um, uh, just people's daily behavior and activities, just mm. um, metadata online, uh, people's browsing habits, um, uh, the, the well, GPS so, on their so phone. Someone's, someone's saying in the chat, so Iowa's command is saying, you're telling me some fucking computer can see that I'm thinking of some big fucking milkers. Um, you'd be surprised, bro. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're not quite to the point of being able to read someone's mind, but they're getting very very close. Yeah. And one of the ways that they do that is by essentially looking at someone's past behavior and then trying to build like a simulated replica of that person. And sort of every every time that you you log on to your online pornos, Iwaskaman, they. They'll be logging that. Why do you think they give it away? Free. They'll 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 get your data down. And like I say, if you've been wearing um, something that's been beaming out telemetry as well. Another thing was um, uh, Mitre and C nineteen HCC, the COVID nineteen healthcare coalition. Mm. Uh, I believe I mentioned this before, but uh, if you go and look at on their site on their impact report page. Um, it lists off uh, dozens of companies that are involved in this this sort of um, like informatics approach where they use uh, like machine learning and um, uh, essentially like um, in silico models of human behavior mm. to try and determine like disease spread and all kinds of stuff. So essentially, and and one of the companies that was involved in this was was friggin' palantir so and then and inqtel were also involved so it's like um these they're spying on people and they're using um a pandemic as an excuse to spy on people and do behavioral analytics on a on a vast scale yep. um and they're they're trying they make it sound like it's a good and, and humanitarian thing by saying oh we're just trying to figure out how diseases spread but you know we all know what they're really thinking here mm. yeah dude look I, I was in that space man i i was like yeah this is, we can, we'll help people <laughs> we'll help them that's uh trust us <laughs> give us the, yeah give us the money give us that data it's, um and, and that's that's how they managed to um rope so many scientists into this sort of thing too is they, they make it sound like it's like it's some sort of uh humanitarian thing you know it's like this eventually this will end up benefiting mankind in the long in the long run and um and that's how they sell it to um to their donors it's how they sell it to the um the foundations giving out the grant money um you know it's it's just the the people who are aware of the ulterior motive are very very few in number. Mm. Yeah, but they've compartmentalized everything. And you, you've got to, you know, there's a, there's like an air of disbelief. Like Ayahuasca Man was just um, saying that oh, it's it's not possible. And you know the 
This is this is why I'm I'm less concerned about the the you know the next gen, if you like, with respect to brain computer interfaces. Yeah, for sure they'd want to go there. The intent is there. It's been there for a long time. But the baseline libraries, I would argue, are are, are very <sighs> compassing. Not the right yep. word. It's um, the the thing is, is that um, uh, so like Klaus Schwab has made statements on numerous occasions about um, uh, brain computer interfaces, about how everyone's going to have like a brain implant, and um, uh, in in his book, um, the Fourth Industrial Revolution, he mentioned the uh, DARPA's Brain Initiative by name. Uh, actually, it was uh, it was uh, shaping the future of the fourth industrial revolution. It was the follow up to that book, and um, uh, the thing about it is that, and then and then at the, the World Economic Forum, you have uh, multiple presentations like when when human beings are going to be become cyborgs, and then like several years ago, it was like I think it was actually like in twenty sixteen they had this they had these presenters on there discussing brain computer interfaces um, using. Um, well, the, their idea was that they would use these um, these little tiny like implanted electrodes, um, kind of like Neuralink, but where it has these these like individual units that that are implanted in the brain. And <laughs> their concept art was kind of gruesome. It, it looks like something where you'd have to have a craniotomy to to implant it, and it looks kind of like it would damage brain tissue on the way in. A lot of those microelectrode arrays are. Mm are damaging you know and when they're implanted they they do destroy brain tissue in the path of the electrodes so um like uh, deep brain stimulation electrodes um destroy like a sugar cube size amount of brain uh when implanted mm, yeah it's, it's and, not it's um, not insignificant um yeah it's um like if your uh your memories of your wedding where it happened to be in that sugar cube, uh, well, you're shit out of luck. So, <laughs> mm. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so I, I can just tell you that when that when the techniques were first being developed for deep brain stimulation, so uh, microelectrode recording would be used as mapping, right, to try to delineate the borders of the target that you were aiming for. And, you know, the, the simple fact was in a clinical condition or, or clinical setting where the condition was something like Parkinson's, where you've had this ongoing degenerative state, inflammatory state, that it, was, it was just decided that microelectro-guided mapping was too, too dangerous. And so the next iteration of that technique was essentially MRI guided and you know there were surgeon sort of takes a view of major vessels and tries to just predict the trajectory about around which to send the EBS probe as a way to limit the the damage and you know I've sat in conferences where these people are talking about these processes taking place so they're, they're, they're moving towards 
stereo tactic frame free procedures and right. the burr hole just becomes literally the width of the probe that you need to get in there to deliver stimulation and I, this, 10 years ago they were talking about it literally going in for a DBS implant would be like the equivalent of going for a root canal wow. and yeah I mean <laughs> that's and, and look, I, I don't I don't want to sit here and just say that should just be completely off the table, right? Because, you know, clinically, there's sometimes that you want to go in there, right? And, and right. do something, um, e even if it's just to, you know, a few extra years of quality of life at the end, right? Right. But the... This, this idea of marrying it to these privatized big data networks that are looking to mine your behavior and there's a couple of operational levels which you know there's the consumer aspect of it of course which you can think of as their their data being the new oil or gold but the more disturbing aspect is this intelligence driven um, surveillance where you're, we're walking blindly into a, an area where wrong think will be punished way yeah. more severely than even what we have right now, and it, it, um, well, it's it's already too much in my mind in that domain. Um, you see, uh, Nita, you saw Nita Farahani's uh, "Ready for Brain Transparency" uh, presentation at the World Economic Forum yes. um, a couple yes. couple months ago. It's like, yeah. what the hell? Uh, with it talking about how uh, consumer EEGs and th these devices have actually been around for a very long time yeah. now. It's like like em emotive had their EEG headsets out for a while, and people could play games with them and stuff. And um, but, um, and so what they're saying is really not that far fetched. Um, and we, we could be seeing in, um, in very short order, um, consumer EEGs that are kind of miniaturized. And of course one has to wonder about that, like the resolution of something that's, that's been like miniaturized down to, um, to like earbud scale. It's like, where, you know, where are the electrodes going to go kind of a thing right well you so, know you, you get a couple of contexts behind the ears and you put the couple on your forehead and like i say what a eeg expert might consider rough data a machine might be in the position to be able to pick out associations that we normal normal processing as most people, as I learned with. That, that's just like I was saying earlier. Um, as these machine learning applications get to be uh, better at sifting data, um, they're also getting to be better at, at sifting through substandard data. So now you have a device that's miniaturized that has essentially like a noisier, um, kind of a lower quality input compared to like a, like a, a proper electroencephalogram. And it's still able to recover like all the same information from from someone's brain waves as a, a full fledged EEG 
with like all the individual electrodes and like with a shaved skull and and all that you know it's it because they're using ai to try and reconstruct that information um, um i just want to address something in the chat real quick uh from dizzy and sorry it's left field of this but i, I think it's uh, important for people to know um on an unrelated question how could you enter the usa and novak is still forbidden to enter even though he has natural immunity because i got a vaccine exemption certificate right <laughs> it's that simple my i had a doctor who would sign off on i was allergic to the contents of those vials and you know thankfully those systems are still in place right now i don't know how much longer they will be and that should that should concern everyone and you know the the digital panopticon that spartacus is talking about is it's already around you you live in the smart city right if you're hooked up to fiber or fast internet of any sort cell phone coverage smartphones the amount of data that they're sucking up is just well what did you say petabytes right i mean it's hard for me to even imagine what a petabyte yep. looks like but it's um, a lot yeah <laughs> for, just, <laughs> for just being being able to you know once once that algorithm is there and this this doesn't even take into account new forms of computing right and you know i'm not a someone someone in the chat just said uh data is the new oil yes absolutely thank you they i mean you, you get it yeah it's uh it, the thing is here is that um so really what this is is this is surveillance capitalism on steroids um if you've heard of um Oh, what what's her face? Uh, let me see if I uh, Shoshana Zuboff. Um, she is as a rather outspoken critic of um, the use of like tracking cookies and targeted advertising and all of that. Um, and wrote a book on it called "The Age of Surveillance Capitalism: The Fight for a Human Future at the New Frontier of Power." Mm. And what we're we've been seeing in the past several years is like the the um the eu for instance with the the like the the gdpr um i believe it's called the like the data protection laws um a lot of uh governments are coming out and, and they're like no 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 you you can't track your users so aggressively and sell all this data and so um companies are responding by um uh shifting from an advertisement based model to like a subscription based model uh, even though that in itself is something that a lot of people are kind of hostile towards. I mean, um, back in the day, you know, when, when all these um, these newspapers and stuff were ad supported, like the, like the New York Times and all that, uh, people just used ad blockers. So it started eating into their, their ad revenue. And also at the same time, uh, people stopped uh, getting like subscriptions to uh, like the physical newspaper, the print newspapers. Mm -hmm. Um, so a lot of their revenue was, was like down the toilet. People were just used to getting, getting stuff for free. So what happened was all these news outlets started paywalling 
uh this was uh, oh like um almost a decade ago now this is like back in the mid 2010s when they started doing this um the problem with this this paywalling business is that it makes it difficult for people to cross reference re uh, coverage of the same thing between different like uh, different news outlets and that's something that i think is really really pernicious in society to to have it where people are kind of like walled off into in, into individual um like news newsletters like individual news outlets where uh like one guy has like a um a subscription to the daily mail and the guy has a, a subscription to just the new york times another one has a subscription to just the telegraph and so on and so forth and what you end up with is essentially a, a divided news ecosystem where people don't realize how, where the coverage intersects, where it overlaps, where it contradicts, and so on and so forth. It makes it very difficult to, to actually research the media, to, to research like what kind of messaging they're putting out. Um, the, the fact that, they, that they're paywalling them, it kind of silos their, their readers into individual outlets. And really, this is something that actually goes back to... Um, for instance, um, take the uh, the Gamergate debacle, like uh, back, uh, I think this was back in 2014 when people started complaining, hey, wait a minute, all of these um, these news outlets are publishing the same exact articles and they all they all um, have the, the same exact like mailing list where they just kind of like um, they, they're basically taking the, the same article and republishing it on a bunch of different websites. Um, the thing is, is that journalists are a lot of journalists out there are very, very, very lazy. They they basically just kind of like just parrot like the same things from each other, like again and again and again. And well, know, um, Chat GPTs probably put those fuckers out of business. Learn a code, assholes. Yeah, <laughs> it's um, the thing about it is that especially in this day and age when you have this like project mockingbird bird kind of shit with the media being completely taken over by intelligence agencies um they don't want people to be able to notice um just how much the coverage overlaps um how 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 um unified the message is between different outlets so what they've done is they've kind of walled them off into their own separate little walled gardens where you have to have a subscription from this one to be able to read anything from this one. And you can't. And if you have a subscription to that one, then, you know, you're obviously not going to be spending like you're not going to be shelling out like thousands of dollars a month to be able to have a subscription to every single newspaper and, and compare and contrast all of them. So it kind of just it silos people. And this is something that 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 really, I mean, deserves like the utmost criticism of this practice of paywalling uh, newspapers because people deserve to be able to take uh, the same coverage from multiple outlets, cross-reference it, and determine like where the media have kind of got together and colluded on, a, on presenting a, like a, a biased kind of one-sided perspective of, of a particular incident. As uh, part example, the last three years, um, yeah, that it's really, um, and and this is something that's especially necessary. Um, I mean, in in this day and age, when you have the media, um, 
just essentially dictating public health narratives. Yes, yeah, they, they've they've become a tool of well, state public private partnership leverage and control over large numbers of people and yeah the thing is most most people don't even realize what's going on and the well the, 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 I, I like the idea of siloing right that you, you silo populations and they i think that they're consummate experts at it that they've fought two free many moves ahead and so we've seen that emerge in the last week 10 days where suddenly russell brand is going around and he's on the mainstream of u.s media whether it's i forget the name of the tv john stewart I think I even had the link. I was going to play it yesterday. I didn't get around to it. Um, I think it might be John Stewart. Um, Bill Mayer. He was on Bill Mayer. Mm -hmm. But then he's on Joe Rogan next. And it's the... These networks have been put in. And th th it's so sophisticated that the person even engaged in it might not even realize that the role that they're playing. Now, look, someone like Russell Brand is bought and sold, and it is <laughs> it's nothing. He is nothing but a media whore, and it, you're not going to get the full picture from him, right? And look, yeah, but you, I don't want I don't want to be too dismissive of him because he does have a sort of anti corporate type message which does mm -hmm. get out there but the problem is is how much how much of it is is a limited hangout right we've seen the pictures of him hugging Yuval Harari right yeah <laughs> we know right we know so like I was saying earlier um this 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 stuff that we're seeing no is shit Russell, Russell Brown was on Tucker Carlson tonight <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, man. And, you know, this... Tell, tell me this isn't a sophisticated... For, convince me, dude, that this isn't a sophisticated form of damage control. It is. It is. They are in full damage control mode right now. They, they realize that people are, are catching on a little too quick. Mm. And um, they're trying to, to, to ease the pressure off. By by promoting the uh, the lab leak theory yeah. and so yeah. on, so um, and they're gonna just flip flop <laughs> back and forth between them. It, it, you know, pretty soon you're gonna see some some thing where they're gonna they're gonna come out and say, oh, we think it might be natural zoonosis after all, mm. and then they're just gonna flip back to lab leak and then flip back to zoonosis. Mm. It's never gonna it's never gonna go anywhere. These these are basically. I mean, this sort of cycle is designed to stall people and, and bog them down. Yeah, yeah. All, all, all the time that they're kicking 
discussions I had with Charles, which is that, that it's just a constant attempt to kick the can down the road, which gives yep. them an operational space in which to keep maneuvering. And look, so many, so many people are just going to be, well, okay, it, it was lab leak. And yeah, so the prime, prime example of that was this from Mehdi Hassan. Are you familiar with Mehdi Hassan? Um, not too familiar. Well, he's, uh, how should we say? Uh, he's from, he operates out of the UK, but uh, yeah. I can assure you with a name like Mehdi Hassan, he's not of uh, Celtic or Anglo right. Uh, stock, right? <laughs> but uh, he, he basically says this, sure it could have come from a lab, even though most scientists studies say otherwise which we know is a complete sham as they've been trying to front load the academic journals with this contrived narrative but he goes on to say but hey fine it came from a lab now what this is this is where it just veers off and you know it's you know you're getting dragged back round into another cycle or loop how does that yeah. help boost our abysmally low vaccination and booster rates how does that help us hold Trump to account for dropping the ball in 2020? Wow. <laughs> and, you know, the... Look, there was one thing that I wanted to mention um, that I, I kind of, uh, like, my train of thought kind of went off into another tangent there earlier um, about about the news. But the thing about it is that so surveillance capitalism um the, these companies for years and years uh facebook google youtube uh netflix they they've made a business they've built a business model around categorizing and like analyzing their their customers behavior and their demographics and selling that data to advertisers um, and the government started like kind of like you know getting like all pissed off about this and and you know and, and started started trying to regulate it out of existence. Um, but at the same time that they're doing this in secret, they're also uh, coming up with with new systems to analyze and categorize human behavior. So it kind of it it it, it strikes me as kind of like a, a, a strange. Like almost like a red herring, where they're, they're presenting to the, what they're presenting to the public is the exact opposite of what they're doing. It's like the, what they're presenting to the public is, you know, your your data will belong to you. It'll be portable. Um, it'll be secure. We're we're not going to spy on you, um, kind of a thing. And we're not going to let private companies spy on you either. But then at the same time, you also have all these private intelligence firms that are springing up around um, analyzing. Uh, human genomic data, analyzing um, uh, data from from people's smart devices, um, and it's like this is this is like this is like tracking cookies on steroids. This goes way way beyond anything that they that any of the that like Netflix was doing with tracking cookies. This, I mean, and at the same time, it's like there is I I don't really see any um, urge among like the EU or in the US or Canada or anywhere to regulate this, to prevent it from becoming like a mass surveillance kind of a situation. They, they, they're, actually, they're not trying to, um, I mean, they're not trying to hold these companies to account for what they're doing. Mm -hmm. they're, 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 in, they're actively encouraging this. 
and this this is what happened in the UK back in back in the day, right? So as as the cameras started going up, and you know, forty years ago, and I I can remember the first ones appearing, and you know what was supposedly links to the police headquarters, right? The a view of the main um, shopping street etc and basically what you know, the the selling point was yeah we're gonna be watching the boozers as they throw out on a on a friday night you know oh yeah oh someone in the in the uh, the uh the live stream chat just said lol tracking cookies i can see heat maps where people look, look and click on sites there you go it's like i mean the granularity of the data that they have uh it goes way beyond what, what people what most people even imagine yeah, and the, um... the disturbing thing is, is that what what would what was pushed forward as a state enterprise back then, forty years ago, literally was turbocharged by selling the rights to this the surveillance cameras and having again private companies come in and start moving in and encroaching into the uh, what you would call it the civil civil space so you know like parking infractions right yep and so suddenly where if you've you know the idea being that you've broken quote-unquote a law is then is given to a private company and they make profit by making sure that they're going around and and collecting the dues on this um on these infractions and you get into a very oh it, it's a it's a strange space because are they really they're not laws per se they're statutes and acts and so any demand that comes from these companies once you engage with them you're contracting with them and once you once you start contracting you get into that uh, that <laughs> beast system, I guess. Call it call it that for one of a better right. expression. And so Yeah, go go. When people hear like you've all know Harari say humans are now hackable animals, they what they hear is this really provocative uh kind of statement where they they think like uh, you know, that that's outrageous. You know, they don't they're not actually I mean they kind of stop at the outrage and they don't actually like like keep thinking about what that actually means when he says that. Um, so humans are hackable animals. What does this mean? Um, think think about everything that I just I just said about um, internet of bodies tech, about uh, wearable devices, CCTV cameras, um, all all of this this tracking technology, um, and AI algorithms, and being able to pull like like data out of uh, like data points out of these massive data sets um so what they're after is something where they can actually effectively preempt like any conceivable human behavior they want to be able to predict like what people are going to do when they're going to be and so on it, it, it's um basically and and not just that not just just predict what their their what their behaviors are, um, their their daily routine and all of that, 
but also at the same time be able to insert like st like stimuli stealthily into the into that that whole sequence that whole circuit of behaviors and be able to influence it and nudge it in the direction they want it to go um <laughs> this is i mean people have absolutely no idea um how pernicious this can i mean just how absolutely insidious this can get um this can get to the point where i don't know like where they could have um subliminal messaging built into uh like uh public public address systems and buildings where uh, a a particular individual walks who's who's being tracked by the system walks by and then they have like a certain song play that influences their emotion a certain way so that they they then like go to a, go to a different checkpoint uh, like based on on their their prior analyzed behaviors and influence i mean they could they could personalize this they could target get down and target specific individuals um and have it be automated completely yeah and this is so i i saw this really I wish I'd I wish I'd kept the link, but so <laughs> in China. Right. So so they they've literally because of COVID, they got all the neighborhoods behind metal this gates is, and turnstiles, right? This is full blown like black mirror stuff that they're going after. Yeah. yeah. With this technology. So it's it's not enough, right? That the person turns up at the face scanning um device, right? It forces you to smile. Exactly. Right. It's um, they're not just analyzing and reverse engineering human behavior, uh, just to to track people. They're also analyzing it to influence it. They mm. what they ultimately want is something that's that's well beyond like like uh, Minority Report level pre crime. They they don't want to to um to have a system where like it 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 determines that you're about to like uh, like plant a pipe bomb in the subway or something and then have like a bunch of cops like like descend on you from all angles right before you do it no they don't want something like that they want something that's far far more subtle and insidious than that they want something where someone thinks about planting a pipe bomb but then um like um i don't know like uh they they get distracted by um by a by a robot across the street making its rounds mm. or um a certain uh, pattern of lights uh, flashes in a street lamp above their head in a frequency that they can't see that that affects their brain activity or um I, I don't know any any number of things that they could do any any number of ways that they could influence a, a human being's behavior um any I mean, anything they can do that's, that's subliminal like that. They want a system that with, where it automatically nudges people's behavior um, without them even realizing that they've been influenced yeah. and without any need for, for obvious, like, brutal law enforcement or anything like that. Yeah, you will, you will own nothing and be happy, bro. <laughs> it's, yeah. That's the that's its trajectory. But, you know, the is it, there's an important... Oh dimension behind that which which is why i sort of nail on or rail on as much as i can because it's i'm not in no way an expert which is you have to try to understand the eschatology of the groups and entities 
and why they would try to head in that particular direction. And so, you know, I, I found your article very, very interesting because, you know, one of these primary eschatologies in the West is, is built around the Abrahamic new age coming the the messiah coming uh, ushering in a new age i guess and each each of the branches seem to have this baked in in some degree or not and i had a very interesting stream where we were talking about gnosticism and how gnosticism is this Oh, it, you're you're talking about a structured mysticism that wants to wants to lean onto individuals such that they conform to that ideology, and so the the coming of the age around particularly. The like say the Mossad uh, mm -hmm. branch, where they um, they have a very concretized view of how the future is going to look, which is this instantiation of the Noahide framework, right? And that that should be of concern, whether whether you're a practicing christian or not that there there would be global systems being put into place that are being leveraged and pushed by these organizations with this eschatological arc embedded in now you know western or, or let's say christian and the i don't know even if you said they were um i don't know what to, where you would have free religion and a democracy or republic of forms where capitalism capitalism uber alice i find that mm -hmm. less disturbing than the idea of someone imposing a religious stricture that they yeah. deem that the most appropriate and you know and they're trying they're trying to imminentize the, the eschaton they're trying to to bring about oh, their vision of a utopia um a, a paradise on earth so to speak mm -hmm. and the way that they they plot to do that is through technology and it's it's just i mean it's shocking to me that people can't see what's really going on here i mean it, on the on the one hand it is but on the other hand it isn't because it's 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 just so broad and vast in its scope it go this goes way way beyond um a virus or a, pa a pandemic or a public health response or something this is a a program that these people have been trying to put into practice for over a century. 
and maybe much longer bro yeah and it's just i mean for me it feels like it's it's something that's that i have to fight against because i mean precisely because it is so inhuman Mm. because it's it is it is so antithetical to human nature and and so this this sort of leads into the cbdc's and you know the i can't remember what i was watching i think i just clicked on a link from in the discord i don't remember some of the personal but he he was sort of making the argument or, or summarizing how the money is digitalized anyway it, it, it you know everything is run on a computation background as it were the free cash in circulating is actually a very very minuscule amount of the uh the money supply and you know that and his point was i hope i hope i'm getting it right was that they're pushing for the cbdc not not because they need more digital infrastructure for money i mean everyone's using cards or um i don't know apple pay gpay etc whatever um yeah but they they must go the next step further which is the the programmable currency yes the central bank digital currency the um just go 100 percent cashless and the the thing about them going 100 percent cashless like that is that it means that they have full centralized control over all of people's finances and when once they have that it's game over because um any any time that someone's like a dissident or opposed to this this system um that the this global panopticon that they're putting into place to nudge people's behavior in, in, along the lines that they desire um anyone who goes against it or or anyone who speaks out against it or writes against it um they can just cut off their finances they can brand them a terrorist if they want to and if their their um, plans to nudge human behavior subtly uh, the way they want to um, are successful, then most people will just go along with it. And not only will they, they go along with it, they will con- they will actively condemn those who oppose the system. Yes, and so so someone's asking. Cool, Chulu is saying, can you talk about what to do about all this stuff? Like I said, web conspirators so you know my i'll just quickly put in what i think we should be doing which is uncoupling our systems from theirs such that we can build little i don't know digital based states where yep where you you choose where which one that you want to live under and well, we need we need to be going full like decentralized and distributed in in every single way, um, and avoiding these centralized systems and just completely just kind of repudiating them. Mm. It's just 
And um, someone in the in the chat there actually said uh, CBDC creates currency that expires. Yes, uh, like a Gizel currency. It's like um, spend it or lose it kind of a thing. They want they want um, to set it up where where someone might have like a stipend of maybe if uh, like like for instance like a um, uh, universal basic income of maybe like a a, a couple thousand dollars a month or whatever or a thousand dollars a month. Who even knows. And um, and then if somebody doesn't spend it, then they lose it. It doesn't roll over to the next month. Um, so what this does is what they want is they want to have um, essentially centralized control of the velocity of money. Um, so uh, when we we have when we've had these recessions in the the past. Um, uh, within the past couple decades, we had this this recent recession and then the the big one in, th in two thousand eight. Actually, both both of these have been huge. But um, the thing is, is that what accelerates a recession is when people realize that they're in a recession and then they start hoarding money. They start saving. Um, that actually just make, makes everything worse. They would, I mean, the reason why they do these these stimulus checks to people is not. To, to give people uh, free money to to relieve their financial burdens, it's just to encourage them to spend money. Mm. That's I mean they they want people to spend 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 even in the middle of a recession because otherwise it accelerates the collapse. Mm. Um, with a central bank digital currency, you can force people to spend money. You, it, you can basically t tell people, nope, you can't save money. Uh, we're not going to let you save. We're just going to force you to spend it. And what that does is that allows them to keep these these cycles of usury going indefinitely um, without um, running into a situation where where a, a, like a credit bubble bursts and then people start hoarding money. Um, the usury is the, the the chain around your neck at this point. If you that that would like asking for solutions. If you if you have anything i get it people have mortgages etc and it's that's kind of difficult loan to discharge right now but you know get your credit cards burn them whatever you have to burn them get get rid of it get rid of that it's debt. not going to work it's not going to work the reason why it's not going to work is because they're switching from a a, a model of extracting wealth from people using credit to a model of extracting wealth from people using servitization. They're, what they're doing is they're, they're trying to set it up where um, people don't own any property. Um, the, the reason why people can, can like discharge their debts and then fall back on their, their property is because they have assets that they can, they can fall back on. Um, if people don't have any assets, if they rent everything that they need to live, it's exactly the same as if they had a loan all the time. Um, either they're, they're pay, instead of paying interest, now they're paying rent to somebody who, who, is the, who actually owns all this, this property in trust, essentially. Like, like, or, cor or corporations that own it in trust for, um, like, I don't know, like, like for instance, um, in the future, instead of like, for example, in the future, instead of buying a car, um, you know, you just you just um, like pay a subscription fee to Amazon and Jeff Bezos 
um, to uh, to let you use his robot taxis kind of a deal. Instead of owning a bicycle, you rent a line bike or whatever the hell. Um, that's that's what they're going for. They're trying to set it up so that people don't have any private property they can fall back on. So basically, they're completely beholden to this system where they, they have to have that, that constant um, income stream of the CBDC or universal basic income or or whatever, um, or, or income from their job. Um, I have no idea how they plan on setting this up myself. But Well, I, um, I, I think a lot of the, well, you know, if if we like like someone a... like someone just said in the chat, life is a subscription model. Yeah, this is when they, once they have control of the velocity of money, and once they they have all the property in their hands and force people to to subscribe to everything in order to to live, then they don't have to worry about um, you know the, all these games that they play these these massive Ponzi schemes with with credit and with derivatives and all that and mortgages and and mortgage backed securities they don't have to worry about that anymore they can just force people to to subscribe to life yeah and that's uh look in the current situation where there are people that do you know you can survive somewhat this is this is why i think there may be the shift towards managing the size of the population i don't I, um well you know i I've, i did a stream on monday with nick talking about there's there's been this inflection point reached in multiple countries now uk japan singapore i would i'll, I'll probably put australia in that group as well oh. They're going to try and push this stuff through with environmentalism as the excuse. Mm. What they're going to try and say is, you know, it's wasteful for people to buy um, like an, a new iPhone every year. It's wasteful for people to buy a new, uh, a new, uh, like a brand new car when they can just, I don't know, like just subscribe to a robot taxi or something like that. So like, look at like Ida Auk and, um, and her, her presentation about a future without waste. Um, basically what they're saying is we can put an end to planned obsolescence, but instead of, of having planned obsolescence, Thank we just you. have everyone rent everything mm. and then they don't have any private property anymore anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, in that's, that's where the whole, you will own nothing and you'll be happy kind of slogan thing comes from this. Uh, I mean, that's actually, I mean, that's actually a misquote of an article by Ida Auken where, um, she said, "Like the year is like twenty thirty. I own, own nothing, and I'll be, and I'm, I'm happy. Like something. It's like it's ridiculous. Um, it's um, the thing is, is that these companies, these these giant multinational conglomerates, have raked, have spent decades raking in billions of dollars promoting consumerism on a vast scale, like in and using." Um, uh, like the most aggressive marketing and advertising for their products to try and get people hooked on on having the latest and greatest and the nicest iPhone every year. And then now, all of a sudden, at the 11th hour, they want to say, oh, well, I don't know, we've um, extracted as much as we can from the planet, so now you're just going to have to make do with uh, hand-me-downs and rentals. 
Yeah. And this is this is a, a situation where these companies and us and and their um and these these multi-billionaires are now setting themselves up as rentiers now that they've extracted all the wealth out of us they they now they they're just they're uh trying to arrogate all private property to themselves and set themselves up as rentier overlords over it yeah you know it's that... it's slavery very much slavery and the let me see if i can find the link um maybe you know something about this but it uh but it was it's some bizarre statistic that that like all of the mortgages that were ever produced or given i guess whatever you contracted the 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 last three years dwarfs i don't know the previous 20 30 years and you're familiar with like the black rocks going around and buying up housing black stock. rock and vanguard yeah yep yeah and i just i just wonder you know if that who's holding those mortgages and are they getting you know are they deliberately well of course they are but they're engineering this new rentier state right and it, like i say it could be it could be fait accompli already in that respect and you know the idea of having i don't know even even modest accommodation in you know out in the suburbs and sticks will, will become out of reach of people who are um particularly younger generations entering the workforce right and if they if they're going to demonify i don't know monify so decash the society at large put in these tokenized currencies that have these time limits then they're engineering the system such that you can you can never get into a position to own property right because you could never save up the deposit the only people who are going to be able to do that are the other class who are engineering these systems in the first place yeah and um that would that will be a shock to the system i probably dwarfing what we've had in the last three years once once people realize that that you know the idea of home ownership is out of reach the independence that you thought you would get through a lifetime of work leading to pensions etc is a is a fantasy yeah um, and we could we could look know, at the, look at the situation in in france right now with the the, the rioting over the um the pension reform where they're trying to raise the retirement age mm. yep. the, yeah the people don't understand what's going on with these these davos people at all they don't understand what's going on with them because their whole program and their whole worldview is so inhuman and and so bereft of empathy 
and understanding for other for other people and and decency and and dignity um it's just um it, it's just a pure psychopathic like just absolutely 100% materialistic just pure psychopathy well I, um, you, you had a good turn of phrase for it um what did you call it managerialism something like a sort of sociopathic managerialism and we were, when yes. we were speaking before and 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 the thing about it is that pe people think that you know that that when they get to to retirement age, the the government will take care of them. Um, if if the Davos people have anything to say about it, it it won't. I mean, they'll just encourage people to go after voluntary euthanasia for all the chronic health problems they've they've accumulated from from years of overwork, um, or they'll push the ret the retirement age further and further away until you can never collect social security. Mm. Uh, they they don't want to pay out anything. They don't. They, I mean, they, they they don't want to. I mean, they just want to pocket everything. Yeah. Um, they basically want to treat the working class as completely and totally expendable. And uh, people don't understand. It's like from these people's from the the Davos people's perspective. It's like we've already built the world for them. That we yeah. uh, the world is already built. Why would they care? They can just throw us away and then have an AI do our job. Yeah. Um, it's um, the analogy that I used. Um, it's like um, you know how some people they they take um, uh, they take like molten aluminum and they they pour it into uh, like a fire ant ant hill. Mm. Uh, to make a, to make an aluminum cast of the ant hill. Yeah, yeah that's a, that's what these that's what these people are doing to us. They are they are pouring molten aluminum into society and casting the ant hill and keeping the pretty ant hill while killing off the people. Mm. Yeah, that's it. The a, ants. That's a very apropos but dark uh, analogy, but yeah, it's spot on, bro. Um, we are a stepping stone to them. They don't care about us. Mm. They would rather that we just step into the suicide pod and just shuffle off this mortal coil quietly and and without any fuss. Yeah, uh, very very much so. And you know, this is this is why there's you have to push back against this idea of these euthanasia pods, right? That because yeah, they'll normalize that, and then you'll get. <laughs> You'll get composted or whatever. What's the liquefaction that they use now? And then you'll get fed to the bugs that get fed back to the people. It's literal, literal soylent green on steroids. And, yeah. You know the. You know what is what is our way out of this? I, like I said, I'm not. I'm not sure the head-on approach is uh, is going to work at the moment. Um, I do think you have to get a little chameleon-like and, you know, build out build out infrastructure that people can use. You know, so while, you know, people do, do have... People can bring different resources, etc., to the to this game. Um, some people are going to be land-rich. Uh, some people are going to be money-rich or maybe alternative types of money, cryptos, etc. But I, I, I see cryptos just getting crushed 
in the coming coming years. I can't see them allowing. They're going to try and regu- they're going to try and regulate them out of existence, and then present their own, um, you know, central bank crypto as the alternative. Doesn't mean I don't want you to send me any, but uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, the yeah, I, let's say, are, are we going to be in a position to push back against? these um these systems and like i said the only the, the the way to think about it is yeah you you're i don't know we as private citizens you build i hate to use the word collective but um i don't know communities communities of like-minded individuals that can you know compute power um physical resources you know people can bring um i don't know you know medicine etc all all these things can be um, yeah. built built up so you don't have to interact with that beast system the thing about it is that the decentralized biotech is getting to the point now where you almost could do that um i mean in theory within um Sometime within this this decade or the next, we could be seeing people um, synthesizing like basically any conceivable pharmaceutical they need um, by literally by by building like a basement bioreactor and using like spirulina or something, and then and and inserting plasmids for the biologic they're trying to manufacture into them, stuff like that. And governments are scared to death of biohackers they're they're scared of of people breaking away from the system and essentially decentralizing things that that they used to drip feed to us mm. yeah very much so and <laughs> the, the the model that we did that we do have right that's being deconstructed out of existence when you when you think about it the idea of sort of home ownership etc that's actually quite new in the yeah. e- in economic sense it wasn't it wasn't that long ago that you, you know you were subject to the local lord and pretty were... pretty much it's um the thing is is that what they're really talking about here with this um, um, central bank digital currency and um, uh, rentierism and all of this stuff, what they're talking about here is actually not new at all. It's not a new social order. It's it's actually going back to the pre-industrial yeah. uh, like status. They're they're essentially trying to go right back to serfdom to hereditary aristocracy it's like what right back to the 1600s kind of a thing and and yes um this whole like post-industrial revolution thing of workers uh being independently wealthy and being able to own homes of our own and stuff that's something that is relatively new um and and they want it to go away they want to go right back to to feudalism yeah and this is you you become ungovernable in that situation, especially especially once you realise what a poison pill the consumerism that they're feeding to you is, and they 
they've they've poisoned everything not not just not just uh people's consumption habits uh, not just the 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 goods that we have not just our our medical system um they've they've completely destroyed our educational system it's people go to 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 school and they go to college and then they come out of it completely brainwashed they have zero critical thinking capacity. They basically just accept whatever an authority figure tells them to do. Yeah. And they, they, it's, I run into these people all the time, and especially with, with my um, uh, former circle of friends, you know, it's like all these people are like, are constantly like, you know, peer reviewer didn't happen kind of mm -hmm. a thing. You know, it's like they, they're, they're constantly quoting like XKCD or something. You know, it's these people are, so annoying because they they can't see past the rigid limitations of you know of academia mm. and they they can't see past the the um the orthodoxy that they've been fed um and they're not willing to to think for themselves or use any logic to solve problems at all well, uh, but, and the thing there, there comes an uh an issue though where we we live in such a technological society i guess let's call it where um it's not it's not like even i, I can remember when you know you, you could fix most things right there was uh, there were oh yeah with a soldering iron and some bubble gum yep yeah and that... the thing about that is that that it is as you say this is this stuff has gotten to be so complex that it's almost an unfair burden to place on an individual to expect them to be able to analyze it all. Mm. Uh, mo most people on the street have absolutely no idea what's going on in, in their, um, in their smartphone. Mm. For instance, they have, they have no idea how, I mean, how an integrated circuit even works. Mm. Um, they have no idea that their, that their phone has an accelerometer in it. That's, that's like a, like a vibrating plane, uh, gyroscope. And, uh, they, they don't know that, that, I mean, it's just, it's just ridiculous how people have been conditioned to view technological artifacts as effectively having magic pixie dust inside them. Right. It's like, uh, look, at, look at the average car these days. They hide the engine under a gigantic plastic shroud. Mm. It's like you, you lift the hood and it's, oh, there it is. It's the, the magic pixie dust chamber. Yep. It's like they, they're not teaching people science and technology. They, they don't, I mean, here in the U.S., they've gotten rid of shop classes in high schools. Oh. They, uh, they, it's, I mean, people aren't being taught to be, to be welders, to be machinists. Um, they're not being taught to analyze systems and, th and have a high quality education where they actually think about logically about how these things work. Um, and that's something that's that's actually it really bothers me, because when you think about it, those skills are absolutely crucial in um, in wartime. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, if let's say World War Three were to break out tomorrow, um, what you, sort of not being keeping up with the news, bro? <laughs> Well, yeah, <laughs> actually, <laughs> I've been trying to avoid it. Mm. Um, the thing is, is that let's say World War Three were to break out tomorrow. Look at America. Look at the, the steel industry. Look at the condition of our railroads. Look at how, how many how many people do we have that could become competent welders or machinists overnight? Mm. It's mm. like this is a situation where 
we've had such a brain drain for so many years and our colleges have been raising armies of bean counters and lawyers and telemarketers and um R&D guys that that don't even really do any any real research and development they just do like like oh, how do we how do we um like I don't know, redesign our, our computer keyboards to be um, uh, better for people with like longer fingernails and stuff like that. It's like, <laughs> it's, um, they don't even really, it's, it's just, look at Apple's gigantic corporate campus, for instance. It's like, like, what is it? Like billion dollars, how, how much it costs them to, to build that damn thing. It's like. My brother-in-law. No, it's like there. trillion dollars, whatever the hell. Oh, re oh really? Yeah. Yeah. You know what he's doing? What? Uh, Carl. Apple, well, last time I spoke to him was a couple of years ago, but, um, yeah, Apple were getting into the car business. Now, I'm, I sort of read that as self-driving, because that's what he was working on, the building out the circuitry for self-driving, etc. And it just... It, it falls into that domain of well, you might not want Jeff Bezos taxi, but or fleet, but you could have the Apple fleet, and again, you're going to be you're not you're not going to own these cars. You're you're going to be subscribing to them. Yeah, and and, and incredibly smart dude, and the. And yeah, at the very heart of Silicon Valley, and the he 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 kind of gets what's coming down the road, but uh, um, not not to the degree that we're talking here. And you know, you you're asking a lot. You, you know, when you say unfair burden on people, in in a way, it kind of is. Just to even grapple with the. What would what what I would have considered the mundane sociological constructs that these people are targeting, right? They're still incredibly complex, and to understand how they would be weaponized against you, I don't know. Yeah, I was, okay, I'll go people. People are being undereducated to keep them under control. Mm. If they don't understand how the system works, then they can't do anything against it. Mm. They yeah. can't, they, they are so helpless, they don't even realize what's being done to them. Yeah. That's, that's the problem that I have, is that there are so many people out here that are walking around that have absolutely no clue what's being done to them. They have no idea what's even in the vaccine or how it works. They're just told it works. It's magic pixie dust in a, in a vial, inject it in your shoulder and shut up. Mm. They, yep. the, the entire system is being laid out like that. There's a, there are tiny, tiny, tiny companies that do all, all the R&D um, in America. We, we call ourselves an R&D-centric economy, but the fact of the matter is that these Silicon Valley tech giants employ far, far fewer people than, for instance, Detroit automakers uh, in the middle of the last century. Mm. They, they are a huge portion of the GDP, but they employ a fraction of the people because they're, they're squeezing more and more value out of a smaller and smaller workforce. So what you have is you have this tiny, highly educated technological elite, and then you have 
then you have um, uh, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of people whose jobs are being outsourced, who's, I mean, the, for whom the work that they're actually able to do is all drying up. And then, and then they're stuck in these um, dilapidated towns, um, sucking down fentanyl. Yeah. It's just, it's unbelievable what they're doing to people in this country. If people talk, want to talk about the American dream. Where is it? It's, well, it's, it's been, it's not it's just been America. gone for decades. It's, it's Europe, U US. Um, oh, well. The... It's happening everywhere. Yeah. And look, the, the, simple, the simple fact of the matter is that those uh, rentier class are petrified of the sheer numbers of us untermensch, right? So, of course, they have to build more complex Rube Goldberg-type machines to keep you... They, they don't even know what to do with all of us. They're afraid of that moment where the torches and, pit, and pitchforks are going to come out, and they're like, what do we do? How do we employ all of these people that are, that are suddenly made permanently unemployed by artificial intelligence? Yeah. And, and, and their answer is obvious so we they they're, they're from their perspective oh, we, we got to kill some of them yep yep it's uh, just how how violent is that transition though if if they get their way right so uh, you know disease war and you know the the big one is hunger right that's that's how you get rid of a a lot and or, or limited access let's put it this way because i think food systems i would argue you, you can scrape by on minimum in that domain but you pull the rug out from under essential medications for example they, they want people to register um when they have uh, just a few chickens in their backyard. Mm. They want uh, here in the U.S. They try to get people to register their gardens in a centralized database. Mm. That's how that's how badly they want to to cut off the food supply for people and create a mass famine. Yeah, and the, you know. these people are psychopaths. Yeah. Okay, I, I'm not allowed start... chickens, bro. Easy <laughs> to start. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I, I've thought about it and um you know wanted to but there's just zoning laws that just say n not allowed <laughs> wow yeah and um you know the well you know it's kind of well foreboding that what we're seeing is this push towards avian flu in the current environment because that gives them a reason to cull huge amounts of you know what is a staple food source for much of the planet right eggs and chicken yeah and you know the how oh, i had this peck was her name the this this lady um Kristin Peck and Zoetis. Have you heard of this company? That's an offshoot of Pfizer. Um, huh. She's on BlackRock and uh, right now are lobbying to vaccinate every US chicken against bird flu. 
Peck. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're taking the piss, right? <laughs> and the well, say say we're in a situation where you know the dose that they give to a chicken, etc., you know, causes the same phenomenon that we're seeing in humans right now, where where your gene gene transfecting and then the cells of the animal are locked in some low turnover of these you know, toxic peptides but it's it's systemic wide so you know that I, i'm very very skeptical of these types of moves being made that they would want to push out this type of technology onto something so Oh yeah, they're going to start calling livestock too. Yeah, and now this is so I don't I don't know if we brought it up last time we spoke, but there's like the cricket, like powder, not powder, flour made from crickets is already legalized in the EU, and is uh-huh. is in loads of um, foodstuffs to even stuff like pasta now. I don't know whether that includes the, I don't know, traditional dry pasta that you would buy from a, wow, a, 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 it's a, it's a brand that people recognise, Beretta or something like that. So some some staple of the Italian diet, but right, uh, uh, the the fact that they would be going down this pathway where they've You've got true believers in the idea that uh, uh, agricultural practices are an inherent risk to the planet, which I'm I'm not quite buying that. It's about political control. Yeah, yeah. Um, The the thing is, is that um, the rentier overlords, I I call them the overclass. um, These people are effectively wealthy urbanites um their power is concentrated in the urban spheres uh especially in 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 here in america it's the wealthy uh coastal liberal cities like um oh seattle la new york um and so on um the centers of finance uh, especially and the thing about that and as well as seaports uh, which are as major centers of commerce um, and international trade. Uh, the thing about that is that the main political opposition to these urban hubs comes from suburban and rural people. And what they want, the, what the, the rentier class want, is they want for everyone to be urbanized so that they're no longer... They they no longer represent a a rural or suburban block a political a, a political block against them. Um, and what they they hope is that if people if they shove people into cities, that they will adopt like effectively a more urban value system. That they'll be exposed to to other cultures and have, be like kind of like less you know, insular and paranoid kind of thing. Basically what they, they're hoping is that people become less conservative as they're shoved into cities. Yeah. So all, all this, this business of uh, buying up farmland and um, 
uh, like in in the Netherlands, uh, evicting people off, <laughs> trying to evict people off their farms and trying to take them over and say, oh, nitrogen pollution, kind of all that business. Um, what they're doing is uh, and effectively is trying to to um, uh, get rid of of rural agriculture entirely and replace it with with indoor farming that's urbanized, mm. so that so the food supply is directly under their control, and so that there isn't an urban and rural divide anymore. Yeah. Effectively, effectively, all this rural what they're hoping for is for all this rural farmland to return to wilderness. And or for them to use it to build their impressively huge villas or whatever they want to do with it, and with have like a mansion, they have like an estate or something on it. Who even knows? Um, the thing about it is that indoor farming um, in urban locales can only feed so many people. That's why they want population control. It's so that they can um, effectively feed the much smaller population with with just you know just indoor farming just cricket factories just printed meat or whatever the hell and i just um, i just say to ayahuascaman in the chat that you ain't gonna get meat bro <laughs> that's that's for them not you you <laughs> yeah effectively what they're doing is that they're 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 taking they're they're trying to to warehouse humanity yeah um, that's a that's a good analogy i like that it's it's I mean or I, I I could be I could be less flattering and and say they're trying to effectively put us in prison to camps. warehouse um, humanity and turn our cities into massive free range prison camps with mass surveillance. Yeah, which um, which is why you're seeing the push for um, these 15 minute zoning strictures being being put in place. Right, it's it's all about mass control of what is a uh, an element that they do fear right now and the, the problem is is that most people will go along with the 15 minute zoning right <laughs> most most people will go along with it because they they will assume that because experts put it together that they have no right to question it that they and because they don't have an understanding of of um public works or of, of uh, anything to do with um, public transportation infrastructure um, and city lay city planning and, and zoning and layouts and all that uh, because they assume that they they don't have the the knowledge or the expertise to question it mm. that you know it, it must have you know someone with years and years of experience in those fields, uh, knows better, so clearly, you know, this is the right way to go. That's the way the majority of people think about this sort of thing. Yep. They they don't they don't react to it with the the vitriol that it deserves, because the the reason why is because they have been effectively siloed out of the of the the whole process. They they don't even have the educational foundation to understand what's being done to them. And to a, to a certain extent, the people implementing these programs don't have that educational foundation either. Um, they have been miseducated in different ways, which is to say they have been educated in, they've been given a highly specialized education in, in managing that one particular aspect of the system, but they don't have an education in other areas 
such as philosophy um, and so on, where they would be able to see that what they're doing is morally wrong. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> so, and, and that's that's why I think the there, there was such a concerted targeting of the uh, description humanities at, at the beginning, because if if there was a sort of ethical basis to society and culture it came from the historians it came from uh, the, the, the experts in literature etc that's how it used to be and they they deliberately targeted they they were the first dominoes to fall and you know whether, yeah. whether that was the initial initial plan or not i don't know um again i i just I learned a long time ago about uh, Gramsci, the march through the institutions, etc., and you know what what was what was their end goal, which this idea of uh, yeah communism it, it was communism, Bolshevism, and we're we're just getting the next not just that's the wrong way of putting it they're instantiating it again they're trying again only yeah. this time they think that they've got the tools to pull it off and pull it off globally. And it's, um, yeah, go ahead. It's just insane what they're trying to do to people. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I just, um, we have bioethicists who, who don't even deserve to be labeled that, that term because they're not competent to be bioethicists. They just rubber stamp the 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 most ridiculous authoritarian crap for the common it's good just, bro for the common good yeah and this is this is why um well the 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 concerted effort is on breaking the anglo sphere and model i would argue because the um, there is this predisposition, yes, historically, towards individual individual freedom, etc., and that's that's been the biggest hurdle. They learned that the last century. It, individual individual freedom and individualism are basically enemy number one for them. They they want to break those tendencies in people and eliminate them entirely. They want people who are absolutely obedient, like robots. Trump is pushing so, fifteen-minute cities. Is that true? Um, it's a rumor I heard, but um, not too sure about it. I, I don't know. I I saw um, he did, did a little. Uh, he had a little um, political ad where he was going on about rebuilding America's cities to be like high tech and something. So one thing we have we got to watch out for is people trying to slip this smart city crap in um like using it like a, a trojan horse approach mm -hmm. where they try and present it as something completely different yeah. from what it actually is like oh you were just fixing up infrastructure but no 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 <laughs> so they're they're putting in more of this surveillance technology yeah to um who you blame people's for, behavior right? in 2024 um, I have no idea. 
I, I'll be honest, I don't vote. <laughs> never have. Right. I never saw the point. Um, it doesn't, I mean, doesn't matter who people vote for. It is never, ever materially changed our, our living conditions whatsoever. That's the part that bothers me the most about it, is watching people go to the to voting booths year after year and nothing about their living conditions seems to change one bit. It's, it, it's, gar I mean, it's, I mean, it's like George Carlin said, garbage in, garbage out. It's like if you, um, what did he say? What was the quotation again? Um, oh, it, it kind of escapes me at the moment, but basically he said, you know, if you, if your, your colleges are raising, like people who are self-centered and incompetent, then you're going to have incompetent, self-centered politicians. Um, and that's what we see a lot of. I mean, look, look for instance, at, did, did you see the, um, was it the, the bad lip reading uh, recently of, um, uh, of Congress, where they, they just kind of like, they had um, essentially like a, like a God's eye view of the whole house there. And they had, um, and they had showed, you know, like, like all, all the, the U.S. representatives and, and, um, um, you Is this know, like Matt, Matt Gert, Gert, and they were sort of threatening him, whispering yeah, Matt, in his ear, and yeah, yeah. yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, Matt uh, Gates and all the rest of those people. Um, and the thing about that is, um, if you turn off the audio, like on the bad lip reading video, and just watch the video mm. and look at and look at these people's mannerisms and their behaviors and the way that they're acting around each other. It's, it's just, their mannerisms are inhuman. Mm. These people are just, are, are, they're aggressive, they're on edge. They look like they just snorted like a fistful of cocaine, mm -hmm. some of them. Mm. Yeah, it's, and, uh, it's just unbelievable. Just I, I the, remember the, at that looking time. down at this rabblement of, of, of sociopaths, friggin' um, these backbiting morons in it for themselves and there was there was a clip of uh the oh, i always forget his name the eye patch wearing green beret green beret navy seal what's his name in texas oh yeah yeah um uh, eye patch mckean nah what's, what's his name someone will tell me in the uh the, the chat but <laughs> At that Dan, Dan, Crenshaw. Dan, Dan Crenshaw, yes, and he. There Everyone was a, just calls him Eye Patch McCain now. Oh, okay, <laughs> okay. Touche, I guess. Uh, the there was a clip of him where you could see he'd been punching the wall, right, or punching someone, right. His knuckles were all grazed up, etc. At, at that time, and you know, you just you do just wonder what is taking place off off camera as these people instantiate the wills and wishes of the lobbyists and people people are lining up at the voting booths to vote for a bunch of crackheads 
Yeah. That's that's the problem that I have with with politics in America is that we are being led by a bunch of crackheads. Yeah. These these aren't okay. your founding fa fathers, bro. I'm I'm not I mean the quality of statesmanship in America has declined so much that it's just embarrassing. Uh just just imagine uh, like watching a like actually sitting through all like two, two, three, four hours. How I don't even know how how the hell long they go now uh, of a president, like hours of a presidential debate. Who would even do that to themselves? Now, go uh, like like I said on uh, I believe I mentioned this on on stream before, or or I think I actually mentioned this to a friend of mine. Um, go back and look at um, like uh, like like a the the, the debate with JFK. Like back in the in the sixties, mm. um, and co compare and contrast that to Trump versus Biden. Right. <laughs> look at look at JFK versus Nixon, mm. and then yeah. Trump. Then look at Trump versus Biden. Yeah, it's it's a it's good like, juxtaposition. Absolutely ridiculous. It's like uh, back in the day. Back in the day, um, they actually discussed the issues. They actually, they actually, I mean, um, presidential candidates actually uh, discussed policy matters in a formal, polite, dignified manner. And they actually, they were informative. They actually told the public, this is what I actually, this is what I plan to do when I'm in office. But, but now they have it set up like some kind of reality TV show where these, these two halfwits bark insults at each other for a couple hours straight. Yep. It's embarrassing. Who the who the fuck watches this shit? I hear people say, I, I'm well, yeah, I watched the presidential debate. You did? You did? <laughs> it's like it's uh like I mean I'm well I feel sorry fun, for funnily enough, we have uh in the UK my Dazzle and Matt, he actually went on I want to say it was like Big Brother, I think the show is called after uh well just to, uh, as the pandemic was still sort of ongoing and these these people are malignant narcissists to the end degree it's just every single thing that they do and say is so low iq it's like watching chimpanzees it's just absolutely i mean no offense <laughs> but it's just look man at least at least chimpanzees when the time comes they'll rip to shreds the uh, the bully actually i honestly wait i honestly think that have you seen um have you seen that um that one video of the chimp um doing the short-term memory test oh yeah yeah that was a uh, my institute that right? was Oh, it was. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. They're, they're, um, they're smart, man. They'll 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 burn you into the ground when it comes to short term memory. Uh, they're fast. Yeah. It's like just blink of that number sequence in front of them for a, less than a split second, and they they go tap tap tap, and it's like, yeah. We should replace Dan Crenshaw with a trained chimpanzee. That like pretty I, much is right. <laughs> I think I think that we might actually get some shit done then. Right. <laughs> it's because these people are a joke. They have our politicians have outsourced their entire job to supranational institutions, yeah. to uh, to panels, to bureaus, to um 
to their czars, to committees, to Soviet-like groups of technicians who do all the actual work. None of these people do any any work. They're they're paid us a uh, huge public sal- like huge salaries uh, to just snort crack and then sh- show up to the to Congress. And if they even, I mean, if they even show, I mean, half the time the chamber is like half empty. Well, it's like, the other, the other issue you have, right? It's what do we even pay these people for? We have, we have machine learning algorithms on the one hand, and on the other hand, we have these these five foot nothing finger steepling ma- managers who uh, who are hiding in, up in um, in their offices at um private intelligence firms and and ngos and and uh strat four and and friggin um booz allen hamilton doing all the actual work and then we have these politicians who just who just snort crack and (laughs) don't do anything to justify their paycheck whatsoever well then they're they're maintaining an illusion whilst the public private partnership grows ever stronger and we're in this very small window right now where people may look up from chewing their card and try and do something but it's it's closing Ah, you know i'm i'm sort of going down with it's already done anyway so best to just crawl out the the rubble when when they're finished fucking up and uh causing causing maximum mayhem then but the i don't know you human institutions are always going to be fallen to some extent they're always going to be never come through but with it's a toxic pill people want to talk about the shadow government they want to. They want to. When they say, "Oh, the shadow government or the deep state," they they want to um, to imagine that it's like um, a, a circle of like of thirteen men in in black cloaks at at uh, sacrificing chickens uh, beneath a full moon at um, Bohemian Grove or whatever the heck. It's not the the deep state is 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 Stratfor. It's Booz Allen Hamilton. It's Mitre. Uh, NQTEL, um, Palantir, um, it is the International Monetary Fund, um, the World Bank, Chatham House, Bilderbergs, um, all these little NGOs in Washington, D.C., Freedom House, National Endowment for Democracy. That is the deep state. The deep state is, is just a bunch of contractors and NGOs, and, and all of our politicians have outsourced their jobs to these people. They've delegated all of their responsibilities, given up all of our sovereignty. Our vote means nothing. It's completely useless. Not, not a goddamn cha- thing changes, no matter who we vote for. Every year, more and more of our jobs get outsourced. More and more people are put in the poorhouse. More of our infrastructure falls apart. More of our railroads and bridges are are crumbling and collapsing. Our roads are full of potholes. What do we pay these people for? What do we give them taxes for, these fucking clowns? Yeah. And, you know, it's sort of the Palestine rail debacle. 
know, you have to, you do have to wonder about its location and the, well, the dropping down onto what are a, a real substantial, I would say, population that manages to live separate to the system. And that's the Amish. The Amish? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And the poisoning people. Mm. Yeah, it's oh, just it's offer. it's just insane that and like what they have like a a company that come out to do environmental tests and then their plane crashes and all the testers die. Yeah, what the, what the hell? I know, dude. It's just um, it, it's too. I, I don't know. It, 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 the game seems artificial at this point right it, it, it's just too convenient that things like this are are happening and you know the, the and the simple fact is that they can engineer events in such a such a manner that you know once it's off the news cycle people will forget that that happened but what are, what are the long-term consequences of of dropping all that stuff into the into the soil i don't i don't think anyone really knows a, a dioxin um mm. yeah definitely not good mm. um also by the way burning um vinyl chloride monomer produces shitloads of phosgene gas which mm. was a chemical warfare agent that killed tens of thousands of people in world war one mm. so why why the the massive uncontrolled burn of that material mm. people i mean people don't realize i mean monomer precursors of most plastics are very very reactive flammable disgusting carcinogenic substances and the the byproducts of their combustion are also nasty carcinogenic persistent in the environment and so on yeah so someone's saying disgusting 1500 kilometers north south and east wow is that is that is that being confirmed that far yeah that's that seems very it's um three thousand kilometers spread they they have found um in rivers like well downstream in a completely different state they they've found this material it's just i mean you can disturb the 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 riverbed and then see this rainbowy crap coming up from it Mm. yeah um it, it, again, it's a part of the war, asymmetric war being waged against an unsuspecting populace. That, that's Uns- how I sort of view this. Unsuspecting? The vast majority of them are as, as sessile as sea urchins. They're, they're not even reacting. It's, yep. it's, I mean, a, we represent a teeny tiny minority of the population who actually see what's, what's happening and are furious about it well which is which is why i i, I sort of propose this digital well not just digital but you, you know you're going to have to sort of mix resources together to sort of form the the community that you do want such that i don't know that there is a a barter system in place something that i don't know you're still going to have to use post offices yeah. and stuff to to interact but 
um, for sure, information flow. We can we can extract ourselves out of the main main systems. I think, and you know the I don't know just the people in this network, and there's enough just from the people that I've spoken to. There's enough knowledge to be able to solve most problems i think but then how do you how do you how do you stop it being hijacked or subverted or that's always the the question and so in a sense you have to keep it small to prevent yeah. that which is and so you're never you're never i would worry about the sort of long-term stability of the of the community in that sense but um yeah i wish you know the, these solutions were more concrete right now and they're, they're not because the, the problem is we're reacting to these people dictating events and so you know this comes down to why the push now for suddenly we can talk about lab origin at this point have you seen the, the clips from the um, uh, was it the select sub the subcommittee um, mm -hmm. and the where, where they had uh, Redfield um, and kind of testifying to yeah and Metzl mm. so and Wade Red, Redfield was making a lot of sense to me what I what I saw um, I, I again I don't know I, I see Charles in the chat um, how. Was Redfield, is it true what he's saying about being completely cut out of the emails with respect to the narrative control that they were trying to put in? Is that true? Or was he on the burner phone list? I Not find, sure. I find it hard to imagine that the head of the CDC was not in the loop in this... Yeah. He never really struck me as being in the loop. It seemed like they were trying to shut him out at every, at every opportunity they had because he had misgivings about this from the beginning. Mm. Can we believe that? I don't know. I mean, I don't know the his reputation well enough to... I mean, I like the fact that he's he has spoken out. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's enabled traction to continue when these people really were going full court press in, um, yes, he was taken out of the chain. Okay, I'd say. Um, I, I mean, he looks a bit Amish, right? Maybe he's, maybe he's one, maybe he's one of the good guys. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah. The, um, you know, part part of this fight is to get a bead on who the enemy networks are. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, if, if that's, if we manage to achieve that, which I think we do a pretty good job of generally, then, and you, you know who to avoid and that they're working in this corporate contractual space, then, you know, I think that's much of, much of the battle um, out the way. Uh, why is it that surprising? Trump wasn't in the loop either. Yeah, well, Trump, you know, it was, it was obvious that he, he just had 
um, he inherited a bureaucracy that um, didn't want him there. So that that surprises me less than than Redfield not being in the loop. Now, a lot of things that that Trump did ended up being completely sabotaged. Like for for instance, um, at the uh, the Department of Homeland Security, um, when he tried um, establishing a um, uh, like a like a network infra infrastructure, like internet, like network infra infrastructure defense uh, task force, there, um, they immediately changed their um, their whole uh mission so to speak um of their own accord to uh preventing it, like influence operations so basically they they immediately like they they, they were supposed to be like like uh, uh Siza, um or Caesar or however the heck they pronounce it the cybersecurity and infrastructure security agency um is a uh, division of the um effectively a, um, I believe they they function as a division of the DHS. Um, Did they you have were a link? sounds unfamiliar. To Let me see here, Sisa. Um, they were supposed to shore up America's cyber infrastructure. Oh, this is the Jedi uh, Cloud. Um, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, they were supposed to shore up America's uh, infrastructure against cyber attacks, against like against hackers trying to steal. Um, proprietary information that's a big deal when you when you look at um all that china's invested into um oh the oh uh, Rixi said they uh, that size just became independent that's interesting uh wow in, in, independent um, how what does that mean they're no longer under under the dhs they're, own, they're oh. now their own separate agency which is shocking i mean how many agencies do we need anyway um so, so... it's it's still a government department, but it's now no, it's standalone. Yes. Okay. Rather than being... um, and the, the thing about it is that, so China is after, after um, like Lockheed Martin and, and Raytheon and, and, uh, and Boeing and all of their um, like military and aerospace technology and, and their engineering research and all kinds of stuff. Um, and, our cybersecurity infrastructure has not necessarily been up to the task of preventing these massive militarized uh, cyber espionage groups in Russia and China from stealing all the information they want. Um, so I, I will just have to say they they look a pretty uh, how should we say woke bunch. Yeah, I gotta um, say, <laughs> you see the so picture and they're about. So CISO was established to uh, to kind of shore that up, but but then they immediately switched over to like preventing influence operations and what that and and, and combating disinformation. So they, they didn't actually do their job, which was to prevent incursions from hackers. Instead, they started targeting uh, people's speech online and and yeah i was just gonna say i've just scrolled down and there's uh foster belonging diversity inclusion and equality with the rainbow yeah. rainbow <laughs> I don't know what... they started they started to define uh influence operations as cyber attacks and uh basically you know a little grandma in ohio saying you know like oh the deep state's taking over and so now they can say oh that's russian influence <laughs> 
So it, the DHS and SISA and all these 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 groups are basically taking people's protected first. I mean, under the First Amendment, but they're protected speech, and they're trying to define it as misinformation and disinformation op mm -hmm. operations mm -hmm. and they're trying to ident identify it with like foreign threat actors mm -hmm. they're trying to to essentially try and claim that it that you know that it came from russia when it obviously didn't mm -hmm. you know it's like stuff like that um it's i mean it's shocking the lengths that they're going to to try and smear private citizens even mm -hmm. who who utilize social media um, essentially, um, you know, for, for our own benefit, you know, it's like, and, and for, for the edification of our fellow citizens, because we can see what's happening with our own, you know, Mark one eyeballs. It's like, we're not blind. It's like they, what they expect is they expect silent compliance with their agenda and they expect people to just go along with it. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, that's exemplified in the uh, the establishment of speech codes around perceived anti-semitism right which has been well it's it's not just that it's like they're defining i mean in the in the anglosphere especially there's been this ridiculous push for political correctness in the past decade where they, they've been defining anything and everything as hate speech it's ridiculous but they're, I mean, they, they go after people for satire and, and comedy. Some, some guy, um, I don't know, um, what was it there in the UK? Uh, some the, guy the tra trained his pug to do yeah. a Nazi salute for a YouTube video, and then yeah. they're, they're coming after him like he's, like he's a terrorist. Yeah, uh, what's his name? Forgotten. I know you mean Glaswegian Glas Scots dude who's... Uh... Um, yeah, uh, look, I, I find it funny. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 just it, it's a joke. It's obviously, I mean, clearly meant to, meant to be like something that's used for comedic effect in this case. And um, they're going after the guy like he's like he's a full blown like terrorist kind of a thing. Yeah, and um, at the same time, we have this situation where our our countries are being absolutely flooded with immigrants um from all over the place who who basically refuse to to assimilate into their their adoptive adopting adoptive culture mm. so it's and this is this is a serious problem because we effectively have people who are having a hard time uh people who are um i mean refugees from conflict zones uh, that we that we created. This is the part that gets me the most. Is that a a lot of these people who are flooding into Europe, especially over the past couple decades, are coming from countries that NATO had a, some role in either bombing Man. or supply supplying weapons to uh, to militants mm. in uh, to destabilize those countries. So people are acting like. You know, like these people came out of the ether, you know, like they like they just kind of like appeared from a from another dimension or something. No, it's like we we reduced their homes to rubble. It's like if we if our leaders hadn't reduced their homes to rubble, if they still had homes, 
then they wouldn't be streaming across the Mediterranean. Yeah. It's like... Well, the, the, the problem is, is it's incentivized as well by a social welfare system in Europe that literally, you know, once those people get on it, the little bit that they can send back to their home countries goes a long, long way. And, you know, I can, I can tell you from direct experience that the, <laughs> this is just how screwed up the UK is, right? So um, polygamy is illegal, right? But the, they would, it might have changed in recent years, but for sure it was a, a thing when I was growing up. So they would, um, the, the Muslims would be able to have a um, Islamic marriage. It would be recognized under Islamic law. And the women that they were bringing over were able to get their own benefits, their own uh, child support, etc. And And it, the, the native population can't compete against the that type of competition that's literally funded by um, the systems that they've paid into over generations, expecting things like a, a functioning healthcare system and uh, you know infrastructure that doesn't uh, collapse when you sneeze on it. And this is, uh, it's been a long ongoing process in Europe to, um, to undermine these cultures and I, you could argue much of it stemmed from the first and second world war where they um, demonized the idea of nationalism etc as as being the existential threat that that was causing these wars i'm not so sure that that's the case i think you know i think these these plans were put in place long long ago and the the wars like like the ones that seem to be gearing up now are, are, were there as a convenient um, People just need to start saying no to war. Mm, yep. that's, that's the thing, it, like on a massive scale. Mm. We, can't, we cannot allow world leaders to drag people off to, to, to fight their ridiculous conflicts anymore because it's destroying vital infrastructure that people need to live. Okay, it's it's just it's embarrassing to me mm. to think that to to think that people sanction this the 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 murder of people effectively on the opposite end of the planet for completely opaque geopolitical goals, um, while at the same time they want to believe that rule of law. Wait, I just want to guess. Someone in the nation. chat says you don't stand with Ukraine. No, I fucking don't. I, sorry, I don't know if that's a, a just being sarcastic or not. Uh, but this this um, proxy war being driven by NATO, Atlantic Council, Council for Foreign Relations, all that network. I don't want anything to do with it. I want it to implode. I would like a a, a stepping back to um, two more sovereign nations, etc. I I don't worry about Russia rolling over the borders with their, their brand of Bolshevism. It's it's not a concern to me. The CIA um, effectively orchestrated a coup in Ukraine 
um, in 2014, and then immediately, immediately thereafter, they started slipping in all of their tendrils and turning turning Ukraine into a money laundering and biotech and pharmaceutical hotspot for them, and as well as smuggling, human trafficking, and so on and so forth. Ukraine is was effectively run as a as a giant organized crime operation uh, under the fucking CIA for ye- for years and years. Um, the, the reason why they're funneling uh, arms into Ukraine right now is to keep that grift going. Yep. And it's just, it's repulsive to me that, that they are, they, they don't care about the lives of, U- of Ukrainians at all. They just want to keep their, their prize. Mm, yeah. They just want to keep their, 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 um, their their freaking grift, their <laughs> grift going their cash cow yeah yeah, yeah. The, they don't the... uh, they they are they are effectively supporting the genocide of ukrainians mm. ukrainians are being dragged off the streets and and conscripted to fight to fight putin mm. for what mm. while while their their wives and daughters are being shipped off to eastern europe mm. yeah that's genocide I agree, bro. It's it's and you know, again, it's more. It's they they just they they decided to genocide Ukrainians, and they they put uh, they have the they have Putin's hammer and NATO's anvil, and they squished the Ukrainians between them. They don't care about those people. They want them dead. Yeah. They want them out of the way. For Lebensraum. Yeah. Yeah. You uh, <laughs> you getting in the uh. The right domain there, so it leavens around for a particular group. And, yeah. Um, it it's like I say, you have to you have to take these elements into any analysis that you're doing, right? And <laughs> yeah, I know I know people are going to clutch their pals again, but you know the the new Kazaria type um, r- reasoning has to be part of your active threat assessment right now, and they will you've got history to go by to see what they'll do to get their leavens around i guess established okay and you know you you delve into the history of the second world war um you know much of there was an orchestrated plan going back a long time to take that space yeah around, around jerusalem and the like the, the comic book narrative that you're fed about the <laughs> evil evil nazis etc it's way way more complex than what the what you were fed and you know i had to well now we're being fed an an, an equally comic book narrative about the the heroic and brave ukrainians standing up against russian op- oppression mm. yeah yeah these people are being fed into a meat grinder the russians too Russian soldiers are being sent in with minimal equipment, minimal provisions, minimal ammunition. Same for the Ukrainian side. We're we're giving we're we're funneling billions of dollars into Ukraine, and they're using old bolt action rifles and stuff. Mm. They they they're uh, taking commercial drones and strapping grenades to them. Mm. Uh, where did all the money go? Yeah, it was pocketed. They they t- I mean, um. It's leaving Ukraine in giant cartoon money sacks 
None of that, none of that money is going to the front lines at all. It's our American treasure is being depleted and given to effectively a giant money laundering operation, yep. which uh, is what the conflict in Ukraine is. Uh, I need to, I need the link to your little uh, network diagram, not little, but just, you know, the fact, the fact that we have so many intersections on that graph that do revolve around Ukraine and Biden type syndicate, etc. And like I say, I think at the top they're they're working hand in glove anyway. Um, and, I posted in the, in the live stream chat. Okay, uh, should have that in my shortcut. I I need to update this and add some more nodes to it. Mm. Yeah, we're just finding out more and more. And you know, yeah. I think I think a um, oh shit. Oh, it's not it. Uh so I'm gonna I'm gonna try and speak to this Mike Gill character who's doing all this work exposing these networks up in New Hampshire. And I think there will be much crossover with this um with these particular networks that we yep. see on here and you know again Ukrainian Biolabs, Metabiota, Global Virome Project. I mean, it's it's all, it's so seedy, bro. <laughs> it is. And it's people. What people don't realize is that the U.S. State Department effectively acts as like a second CIA. The, yeah. I mean, yes, our our diplomats effectively are practically like another intelligence agency, and for a while there, um. Friggin' you know, the next CIA guy, Pompeo, um, as the uh, sex state. Mm. So think about that for a second. It's like effectively we have spies as leading our diplomats. So because it's just another effectively acting as just another spy agency. So um, and we're, we're in. Look, I, I don't. I understand there needs to be some degree of sort of like statecraft, etc. And you know, there's. Some of it is necessary, but when it's... These people are thugs. Mm. This is an organized crime syndicate that we're looking at right here. Mm. Um, the, the, the U.S. State Department uh, contracted DynCorp numerous times after they'd already uh, knew that they were trafficking children in, in Bosnia, and then, and then again in Afghanistan, these mercenaries. Mm. DynCorp are connected to, I mean, tangentially to Jeffrey Epstein. Um, Jeffrey Epstein, in his flight logs, had a tail number on one of his um, his aircraft, N474AW, um, that uh, allegedly corresponded to a, a Bell a Long Ranger that he had, or that a friend of his had, or something. And that he he uh, flew from uh, from Albuquerque to to his Zorro Ranch down there uh, in New Mexico, um, or, or vice versa. A nice um, nice link in the note there. Jeffrey Epstein, Henry Kissinger. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> there, there you go. Um, and the thing is, is that um, so. 
that um, that tail number actually be- did not belong to a helicopter of any kind. If you go, if you look at the FAA's registry, you can see that it actually belonged to a a, um, uh, a an OV-10 Bronco that was being used by DynCorp for coca eradication in Colombia. Um, they, it was it was configured as a crop duster, and they had they were flying it over Colombia with with uh, with glyphosate with Roundup to destroy coca crops. Mm. And if that particular plane actually had an accident. Uh, look at its its like its history. It had like an incident log where they they um, you, you know who was doing they had an engine engine failure. Brilliant work with that. I don't know if you ever spoke to him, Jesse Matchy. And that's I don't he, believe I have. Oh man, he's brilliant. Right, and he he was um, I want to say Black Hawk heli- uh, pilot, and he just he got red pilled on this network, right? Because I want to say like a colleague of his asked him to check what you were saying about the um, the tail numbers, etc. And god damn, he just uh, <laughs> he just went into it like a like a pit bull and um hasn't hasn't stopped and you can follow him so, go on you were going that that um ov10 bronco um actually belonged to the US state department and uh dynecorp were just were just loaning it out from them so you have the situation where a helicopter um operated by Jeffrey Epstein or his associates um had, was sharing the same tail number illegally uh, in in the in those flight logs with an aircraft that was owned by the U.S. State Department. Oh. <laughs> it's gross, man. It's gross. Yes. And um, so the other thing is that DynCorp are also linked to uh, to DynPort. And emergent biosolutions and Fuad El Hebri and that group. Yeah, you know, the the anthrax. <laughs> yes. Oh man, oh man. The, well, actually, uh, yeah, the anthrax vaccine. Um, uh, Bioport. Mm. So, and then that was um, before that. It was um, oh, what do they they call it again? It it um, effectively it was like they took like a. A national like vaccine, uh, anthrax vaccine manufacturer program, and they they basically privatized it, kind of a thing, and gave it to this one guy like as this pork barrel thing, uh, for uh, Robert Codlex's buddy Fuad El Yeah, yeah, I, I know who you're on about. I'm trying to, the name's on the tip of my tongue right now. And it's it's just it's just ridiculous, you know. And when you you look at it, at what these people are actually doing mm. with this shit, and how long they've gotten away with this this thuggery just without any public scrutiny whatsoever for what they're doing yeah yeah and like like i said this is it's it's a highly complex situation and you know this is this is why you i just remembered something else um dine dine uh i believe dine port and dine corp were also linked to to baxter uh, pharmaceuticals. Did, did you oh, yeah. um? You hear about the 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 Joe Moshe case? Yeah, tell me. Um, there was this this unusual um situation, uh, actually a, a standoff where this um this Mossad microbiologist was actually trying to blow the whistle. Oh yeah, this, yeah. 
this was back in 2009 he was trying to say hey wait the swine flu vaccine is a bioweapon that mm. they're, they're gonna actually put um like live live uh, influenza in it yeah and uh, and then when he tried um like going public with this um they they claimed that he was uh uh, that he had threatened to blow up the White House, and then they they cornered him with uh, the FBI or something. Cornered him with with uh, great big friggin' um, uh, armored cars and shit. Yeah, um, EMP like devices, and it, it was. Uh, God, I had someone sent me the links the other day because we were discussing it, and yeah, I was going I was going through that uh, class and paper where he's relaying his experience of. NIAID and basically pointing the finger at Mossad again and um, he, in that paper he's relaying the that that particular case and you know it's yeah it's just it, it just shows that there's a long sordid history that's like a, a festering boil that's just <laughs> It, decades and decades of this shit they they planned this mm. they they targeted uh whistleblowers they 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 murdered like like dozens and dozens i think like if i remember correctly over a hundred virologists mm. to to keep all of this under wraps yep yep so you know that so people um paul tishbite did a article yesterday on his uh blog um page and it's a it's an interesting read where you know they he's talking about where he's, he's sort of bringing up the origins right which is where sort of carrie mullis sort of comes into the story where he was asking about how the index case emerged and you know the the what what appears to have been the case was that as Nick drives home that this was it was a emergent out of these weapons programs again you know that seemed to come under the scope of this Kissinger led Club of Rome Malthusian type network and you know the it's a good read. I encourage everyone because in there he's he's done a good job of just relaying the history of these um, these researchers who got uh, taken uh, out. Which uh, one? Um, I I'll, I have to tweet. I don't know if he's in the chat right now. Let me. I retweeted it yesterday. Give me a second. I'll find it. Um, but he's he, he does a, he does a good job of um, laying out the history of it's in the context of hiv research right and there are two air crashes which are of high significance uh one is the plane shot down over ukraine in yeah. i want to say it was 2014 which they blamed on the russians and mm -hmm. there was another one i want to say about 10 years before then and they they took out another bunch of HIV researchers, and I just I just wonder how much in that field this was this was becoming uh, evidence that you couldn't ignore, so it had to get it had to get bat, uh, battened down somehow. 
they 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 don't want people interfering with the um their depopulation efforts at all. Mm. They they want to head that off as much as they possibly can, and they have for years and years. I think the reason why they don't really care about it about keeping it under wraps as, as much as they they did in the past is because they realize at this point that that it's inevitable that people are, some people are going to realize what's going on here. Yeah, I, like I said, I think they're all in right now, and so it it doesn't need the operation doesn't need security. the secrecy that it yeah. had in the past mm. and we're um we're all on the um receiving end right now and yeah this is look man i didn't vote for that <laughs> oh, yeah i didn't either i you know if if there's i don't think anybody voted for their tax dollars to be used to murder them with some mrna concoction ginned up in a DARPA think tank connected startup that had no commercial products prior to this. Okay, I found the link. So let me just ask. Yeah, yeah. Let's just bring it up. See, pull when we can. Uh, the apocalypse and Daniel. Um, the, uh, the gematria might not be for everyone. Um, but the um, he does good research, and where's the planes? So, um, okay. So two plane crashes occurred, both involving AIDS researchers. First occurred on second of September, nineteen ninety eight. Involving a seven-year-old McDonald Douglas MD-11, serial number 48448, registration HB-1WF Swiss Air. Uh, Swiss. <laughs> Love K26R there. Jonathan Mann, former head of the World Health Organization's AIDS program, and his wife, AIDS researcher Mary Lou Clements Mann, died in the crash. 229 people died. Two valuable Picasso paintings were also lost forever. Yeah, I don't think wow. they were lost. <laughs> uh, let's see. Pissed off ex-MI6 spy Richard Tomlinson claimed a bomb had been planted on the plane. And then the other one, the MH17, um, shot down over Ukraine. And yeah. what a... Um, what a shit show, man. It's, um, it's, it's really, I mean, shocking the extent of the, the control exercised by this network. Um, effectively, what we're talking about here is a massive organized crime network that has captured our governments and many vital institutions that are necessary for ju just for, um, to, su to sustain our way of life. Mm. It's, it's, um, I mean, that's the way we, we have to perceive this. We have to look at this as a, as a, like not really so much, um, a, uh, a situation of like, of where we have, um, incompetence in in our leadership although it, there is certainly an element of that as well i think that there that behind all of this however 
what we're looking at is is more of like a, a Rico type situation. Mm. Were, this is a, a massive, essentially a massive racketeering operation. Yeah, and a massive, massive, um, like multi-trillion-dollar racketeering operation that has captured our governments. Well, you know, wasn't wasn't the Panama Papers literally just about, or primarily about, how these organizations are offshoring this capital into these Panama banks, right? That sort of thing. That the. The money laundering behind the power plays. And yeah. God, it's so dark. Um, it's um, the thing is, is that our our representatives have outsourced so much, so many of their responsibilities to um, uh, private intelligence firms, to NGOs, quasi NGOs. Um, and to all these other little organizations that make up the, the, the deep state, so to speak, that they don't even know uh, what's going on. They, I mean, most of them have absolutely no clue. They just take orders. They have no idea what their, their paymasters are actually doing. Well, you know, the... The end goal, uh, yeah, I think I think a lot of it was the acquisition of the genetic data. Which yeah, I, I think I think that's done. They got it, right? They... Well, they they've been getting it for years and years um, uh, through stuff like uh, Ancestry dot com and Twenty Three and Me. Yeah, people just people just curious about their ancestry just give it right up, yeah. and then they can sequence their entire genome from that. And then, then where does the data go? Nobody knows. And then that same exact data can be used to construct pathogens that, that not only target people of specific ethnicities, but also target individuals. Yeah. They can come up with, with uh, biological agents that can target people on an, on an individual genetic basis. Yeah. Um, oh. Ah. The weaponization of biotech and synthetic biology is, has the potential to spiral out of control in a way that, that these people have, Wait, have not even has an, anticipated. <laughs> I think. Well, uh... it already is. <laughs> you know, but it's it's something that was foreseen, right? The, the I can remember the discussions when I was an undergraduate, right? That you know this this technology was emerging and uh, the recombinant expression the plasmids and all, all that and the there were attempts in that space by you know like with respect to gain of function after uh, the blue transmission etc in erasmus uh, i had um oh go ahead well i was just gonna say that it's not like these dangers weren't foreseen Yet they, of they've, course. they've worked tirelessly to find ways to find their way around the the roadblocks that were put in their their way, and and so this this is why it's it's very hard to just dismiss this as incompetence, right? As you it's know. instead of malice. Mm. 
it's they they have tried to sidestep every regulatory provision everything that's been put in their path they they want full-blown um just complete un, unrestrained access to synthetic biology tools to be able to re-engineer humanity as we know it and that is that is and should be repulsive to everyone. And it's not just humanity. It's um, things like re like completely reengineering from the ground up um, uh, plant species that I mean that form the basis of agriculture, stuff like that. Um, the thing about it, uh, I recently posted an article about this um, on IC Night Bulletins entitled a Private Public Partnerships for Mad Science, uh, where I went into some aspects of what can be done with synthetic biology. We're just scratching the surface here, though. This is this is just I mean, this is all surface level stuff. People have absolutely no clue. I mean, the vast majority of people out there on the street have never even heard of synthetic biology. They don't even know it exists. Yeah, so there's this technical aspect to it that most people are just going to they can't get around to it. And and again, this comes down to the, their this... eyes just glaze over when they, they even start to think about it. Um, the the thing about it is that like what what are we going to be doing in in like a decade or two um, with with this stuff? I mean, what I mean, how do we even prepare for this? Um, Klaus Schwab it keeps going on and on about how oh synthetic biology and and biodigital convergence is going to ch fundamentally change human nature and so on and so forth um but really these people have absolute absolutely no clue the sort of pandora's box mm. that they're opening mm. right now they have absolutely no idea they they are hubristic in the extreme to think that they can control molecular biology on this level um, you know do, do these look does Yuval Harari understand the molecular biology I don't think he does I, I, I think that they're, they're just selling the, the brochure to people or, or to each well, other they, they're, they are figureheads they're thought leaders they don't they, they're like um you know, like Steve Jobs, how many lines of code did the guy, did the guy ever write in his life? It's like the, the, most of these people aren't even engineers or anything. They don't they don't know the technology that they that they're they're talking about. They all they can do is sit around and philosophize about the various ways it could be used. And 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 certainly there is a place for that. But at a certain point, we get into into kind of a danger zone where the, we have these people who don't understand the risks fully. And and yet at the same time are eagerly myth making about a, a future where synthetic biology is uh, uh, tweaking life forms to to better suit our needs is a commonplace practice. They have no idea what the hell they're even talking about. Yeah, it, it's just it's it's insane. Um, and and, I mean, and these are the, these are the people that are the rentier class. Right. And they're... yes, <laughs> they science. Here's the, the problem that we have. Scientists are in order to get grant money are, are telling these people, you know, like you, you can have it all. You can have longevity, 
maybe maybe life extension up to a thousand years or more we can we can gin up some sort of synthetic biology cocktail that'll that'll revert rejuvenate and revert yourselves to those of a youthful person uh we uh, we'll be able to print you new organs if your yours fail uh we'll have brain computer interfaces that that'll be able to read your thoughts and allow you to transmit your thoughts to other people across the room and uh they're over promising to these people to get grant money which is i mean it's just well, that salesman that's salesmanship for you right but, it, but maybe maybe, maybe it's something else and i was i was reading oh, who made the comment i want to i want to say if i if i try to remember i'll get the point of what what i was going to say which is that maybe um what what they were doing was a, a literal sort of blackmail which is respect to yeah that they they would tell this elite set of where they were going with respect to quote unquote managing human populations and there was a a deal made with yeah you support this by becoming part of I don't know, uh, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. You, if we want yeah. half, we want half, right? You keep that coming in, so that we. Well, there is a, there is a sort of a cartel building aspect to it as well, uh, like you say. But at the same time, it's like uh, none of this technology is really fully capable of doing what they want it to do. Mm. Um, it it has hints of heading in that direction, and it. I'm not saying that it won't. But it certainly may within the next couple of decades. You know, it's always always ten years in the future, right? Mm, mm, mm. But but at the same time, it's like what they're envisioning is like a sort of a comprehensive system of control over these where where these technologies are central to the to the like essentially to civic and infrastructural redevelopment on a global scale and they're 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 putting the cart before the horse yeah none of this stuff none of this stuff is ready to do the things that they want it to they they have i mean these davos people are absolutely clueless they they think that they can just throw a few machine learning algorithms at, at a a bioinformatics problem and call it call it a day they don't realize the the effort, the sustained effort that it takes from people to engineer this stuff. Well, and they don't they don't they are they are sawing off the branch that they're sitting on. But they they are just they are destroying the the very cultural foundation that we need to build the exact sort of cybernetic utopia that they want. But maybe maybe they're you know they they're following the machine calculations too much this is what we touched on earlier which is that they've got to this inflection point and and now the algorithm says oh it's time to it's time to move it's time to to go and so you've got to deconstruct the old systems you've got to usher in the new and they're true true believers in that sense and so there's there's no way you're going to be able to convince them that they're, they're, they're on the wrong side of, I don't know, I would, I would say they're on the wrong side of God, but um, perhaps. Sim simulations spit out bad data all the time. Mm. If these people are, are using 
simulations to decide what the future of humanity is. Well, that that would certainly explain a lot about yeah. their approach mm. and why why it is leading to catastrophe. Um, the thing about it is that okay, so synthetic biology, um, de novo pro, like protein design and engineering. They want to get to the point with um, uh, like protein folding where they can do everything on a computer. They don't even need to synthesize it first. They can just they can just like tell an AI, please produce a protein that has these specific properties and performs these specific functions. And then the AI will will run through a, like a cycle or two and then try and figure out um, what amino acid sequence it would need in order to produce a protein of a specific conformation to perform that specific task and so on. They want to apply machine learning algorithms to tasks that are too difficult for humans to do in any um, conceivable manner. Imagine trying to design a protein from scratch, um, just assembling amino acids um, like in a sequence. Like well, in, 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 I, I, I any mean, any arbit any arbitrary sequence. Just imagine trying to just do it from from scratch with with like, and just try and and picture in your head how it will fold. Yes, yeah, so it's not. It's this is not a feasible t uh, task. It's not like building a bridge. It's not like something where where the the there's light at the end of the tunnel. You can't keep all that information in your head. It's impossible for a, a person just unaided. Uh, or even even with the help of um, a slide rule or a, a mechanical calculator to do any of that, it's not physically possible. Yeah, um, I, I would just make the, the argument that even even if they manage to get really really good at making that, you know, the the product being like one protein, when you're putting it into a complex system of tens of thousands of potential proteins that have to interact across across these systems of course i i, I just what about uh lateral gene transfer and uh what about what about re, um uh reverse transcription um and uh, and recombination what happens when a, a engineered protein accidentally recombines with natural proteins and and, and natural uh, i mean excuse me with uh, at, what if that sequence, that uh, the 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 gene sequence that that gave rise to that protein, um, integrates with like a like a bacterium by accident. Yeah. That now and now that bacterium has the the is now expressing that synthetic protein, and is and now has completely unexpected behavior. Let let's say that you, um, for instance, engineered. Um, like E. coli bacteria that could that had a a synthetically designed protein that could rapidly digest plastic, and and let's say for instance that 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 uh, the gene for that protein was laterally transferred into another organism that um that forms colonies in and readily and biofilms and then starts dissolving plastic and rubber and everything wherever it goes and then all of a sudden hospitals now have colonies of this substance eating up hoses and and eating up 
like uh um, well, we can go back to uh brass and copper uh cheap in bro just get get a bit more uh analog <laughs> things yeah maybe a blessing it, in disguise people don't realize how quickly we we can end up completely destroying the ecosystem with, with synthetic mm. biology mm. you can you can end up having something that that just by accident forms a, an ecological niche that is that it was not found in nature that's that that is not even anywhere close to make the stability with any other element of biology in its surroundings that just completely ends up devouring everything in that niche yeah well you could end up with have we have forests we... taken over by mold colonies completely eating up every tree in sight you could end up with with um crops turning black from one end of the country to, to the other well you know I, I, you could make an argument that we've crossed that rubicon already with the protein misfolding potential of SARS and then the mass gene transfection of those peptide sequences into again unsuspecting populations large populations and people have just no clue how bad that this could get if if this bio-digital convergence stuff goes ahead the way they're planning on doing it. it this this is i mean sars will be the the least of our concerns mm. honestly uh, I, I would just it, it racks up there right and so how 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 much cumulative damage can we take before there's a there's a systemic implosion that occurs i mean you know, I think life finds a way, but uh, it, it might have to wind back on the sort of evolutionary complexity dimension to yeah. to get get through. And and do you see this one one article here um, uh, in in RSC Journal? Um, a morpho space for synthetic organs and organoids: the possible and the actual. Um, uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, is a, a paid article, but uh, it does have the abstract and, and interesting little uh, figure here. Um, what it, it says, what they're effectively saying is, you know, um, what if all the organs that we know of in, in like conventional like mammalian organs in in biology, like uh, oh, liver, spleen, kidneys, heart, lungs, etc. What if those are, are not like all the possible organs that we can create? Um, what if those are just the ones selected by by evolution kind of a thing? So like basically they're, they're looking at the possibility of engineering entirely new tissues from scratch that never existed in nature before. Mm. Um, uh, things things like that. I, I, I have heard it discussed. Um, I haven't looked at this particular paper uh, I've got the full paper 
<laughs> we can scroll through, have a have a look at the uh, insanity. See if it's up there with covert moral bio enhancement. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there's the uh, paper. Let me just uh, see. Are you guys on uh, Sci-Hub? Yeah. Nice, thanks. More for space for synthetic organs and organoids. Oh, and the actual. Efforts in evolutionary developmental biology have shed light on how organs are developed and why evolution has selected some structures instead of others. These advances in the understanding of organogenesis, along with the most recent techniques of organotypic cultures, issue bioprinting, and synthetic biology provide tools to... <laughs> You use the words hack, hack the physical and genetical <laughs> genetic constraints in organ development, thus opening new avenues for research in the form of completely designed or merely altered settings. Here we propose a unifying framework that connects the concepts of morphospace, either space for possible structures, with synthetic biology and tissue engineering. We aim for a synthesis that incorporates our understanding of both evolutionary and architectural constraints and can be used as a guide for exploring alternative design principles, build artificial organs and organoids, present three-dimensional morphospace, incorporating the three key features associated to organ and organoid complexity. The axis of this space include the degree of complexity introduced by development mechanisms required to build the structure, potential to store and react to information and the underlying physical state. We suggest that a large fraction of this space is empty and that the void might offer clues for alternative ways of designing and even inventing new organs. Oof. Yes, oof. <laughs> you think about like how an organ actually develops in an embryo. It's like we have this clearly defined set of organs for a reason, right? Yeah. It's um, when you start adding new organs to... to um, to, to someone's genetic plan, essentially, like in before they're, I mean, let's say, um, uh, you know, uh, in in utero, kind of like with in utero gene modification, for instance. Um, let's uh, um, let's say that you add an entirely new organ to um, the genetic plan of a human embryo. Um, and then expected to expected to develop into a fully formed, like just entirely like de novo, like 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 just from scratch, uh, like like fully formed organ in the like in the fetus once it, it develops, right? Uh, as it gestates, um, you're looking at a situation here where you have to consider all sorts of things like the energy demands of that organ, um, how it's going to interact with the immune system. Um, it's just, this, these are very complicated systems that they, they, they're describing like they're, they're nothing but connects. Yeah. Like they're, like they're Lego. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's shocking. It's a, well, it's, it's like they think they can play Roblox in actual biology, right? And just warp and twist and add um, elements to the, the little characters that my 
kids mess around with. But yeah, the, you know, <laughs> what I would see emerging from that space is sort of akin to the, the you know, the classic movie, The Thing, right? With <laughs> oh, right, right. <laughs> Where he's where they've literally pulled the sort of smoking twisted remnants, and, he, and there's that the, the doctor guy, and he's like, "That's not human. That's yeah. This is that's imitation. Yeah, <laughs> this is this is some real Cronenberg uh, shit here. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, um, oof. it's just it's and the the way they're so casual about it." That's what gets the way these Davos people can sit around um, and and listen to these these panels of these people going up on st on stage like like oh yeah we're gonna give give people totally new and different organs in in like twenty years it's like and and nobody is booing them off the stage about they're just going nodding their heads well because it's it's hidden crazy shit it's hidden behind the the pretext of well you know. Organ donation, that's a tricky moral, ethical quandary, right? We can fix that, right? We can make new organs. and Yes, yes, we can just take some, some shavings from somebody, some skin cells, and then we can decellularize pig organs, and then we can make induced pluripotent stem cells and, and recellularize the, the, the pig heart with the human heart cells. Uh, and then we have just... Um, save the trouble of looking for an organ donor mm. or, or so they say yeah. and, and yeah there's in the future that... in the future they won't even use like pig organs they'll just 3d print the extracellular matrix yeah wow and i mean then that, then that, that, that's been around them. for a while with um like the the cartilage scaffolds and that, that that's that's extant at the moment now the problem the problem is is that well, i want to casting my mind back now but i want to say that the problem that they had was they could do sort of simple tissue types whether whether cellular population in terms of types of cells in in the organ are limited so like liver is potentially one of the lower bars towards um, being able to go down that pathway. The problem, the problem arises when you have to get in and have it functional, you know, something like the heart, where you have to have um, conductive tissue in there and you know, yep. the, the metabolic demands are, are, very, are very, very high. Um, but this... Again, well, I'm... Well, I'm, that's... That's why they, yeah, that's why they're looking into things like making um, like cybernetic tissue, like essentially um, it being able to have synthetic biology constructs, like artificial organs and such, that are are not just um, not just like organic tissue alone, but actually incorporate nanotechnological elements directly into them. Uh, to be able to manipulate those tissues and kind of force them to do what you want to do. So, for instance, it, it, let's say you have a, have heart muscle. Um, in, instead of having like have it be innervated, like have like uh, nervous tissue, and it, what if instead you're able to directly control those heart muscle cells using like nanotransducers to be able to alter their membrane potential 
um, using pulses of RF or something. Um, and if you think about it, what they're, they're talking about here is effectively in a lot of these papers that I've seen is figure, figuring out how to take living cells and use nanotechnology to bully them into doing what you want them mm -hmm. to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and in, in a lot of cases, they're, they're thinking about effectively substituting di digitized systems for, I mean, things that used to be just stuff that people's bodies grew naturally. You know, it's like, a, like I said, instead of having like, like a heart that's like this innervated normally that has uh, nervous tissue that, that grows in it and, and controls it. Now, instead, you um, have a heart, like a transplanted heart that has... Uh, maybe an external pacemaker that supplies pulsed RF to it to uh, to control the membrane potential of muscle cells, um, and now you have a situation where you know your heart is is a, a product that you subscribe to, and you know if you you you're not up in your subscription payments, you, they turn off right. your heart. What's that movie where they they had that? Oh, what was it called? I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, that literally, literally, the people, people were essentially <laughs> renting organs, and the, the it was sort of following two. Um, I don't know what what are the dudes. Oh, I I know that one. Uh, uh, Repo Man. Re is it is it Repo Man? But the, the, like, I, I believe so. There's there's the classic Repo Man with uh, Emilio Estevez, right? That's that one. But then there's one where literally they're they're doing it with organs, and if it was called Repo. Just check it for, but yeah, that's uh, science fiction has uh, pipped us to the post. Yes, uh, Repo Man. Is is that what it's called, Repo Man? Tax evading Blick, Sorry, Phoenix. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, we're definitely getting into some like altered carbon slash Repo Man slash Black Mirror type shit here. Yeah. With yeah. this, with the synthetic biology, and people, people really need to start thinking about. Like the very serious, like political and and ethical ramifications of some of these things, because these this is not really. I mean, th this is getting to the point where it's no longer science fiction. Mm. Um, people, the thing about it is that none of this stuff is new to um, to sci-fi fans. I mean, people um, like the metaverse, for instance. That I mean, <laughs> I mean, anyone who's read like Neuromancer, or Snow Crash, like decades ago envisioned like that everyone would be like telecommuting using oh, dude, i was so stoled on diamond age was it neil right neil stevenson yeah yeah I, I was such an addict of his when i was young um Ex exactly it's like back i mean back then though um you know we we still had cassette tapes right. like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all of this stuff seemed like like so far like far ahead in the future like it would never come you know but just to, to a certain extent it's here now mm. and people need to start like not like thinking oh that's just some sci-fi stuff they need to start like kind of like seriously thinking about like what are the ramifications of this because i think to a certain extent people have been kind of desensitized to it and conditioned mm. where they 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 don't approach these these uh, new technologies as though they're they're real things that have that have an impact on their life mm. yeah um, um 
and we're, we're sort of in that space where um, the, the paradigm changing tech, it, it, well, it's the infrastructure is there, right? And in in such an environment where, God, you know, this is a dark way of thinking about it, but if you know they they allow the numbers of humans to exist right now because wow they they need that for their organ transplants right and, yeah and so it sort of give it gives them another reason to engage in the population management where they think that they can yeah in, indefinitely keep changing stuff out right. it's um eventually they won't even need um organ transplants from people they'll they'll just be able to to manufacture any arbitrary amount of organs they need mm -hmm. and i think that that we're heading towards something that's kind of on a certain level it's like yay high technology but on another level it's like wow this is grotesque and, and inhuman and people aren't really recognizing it as such because they're so desensitized to it mm -hmm. yeah and again, it's a multi-generational project to get people to that point, right? And again, I just coming back to eh, jobs. The job is done. <laughs> we, can, we can, but just sort of, again, you get chameleon-like and live alternative to these systems as much as possible. I can't, I can't yeah. think of other ways to to do it and and look i don't i don't want to shut down the probability space for i don't know kids born with heart malformation something like that and being able to um go in and make that sort of intervention but when it's when it's there to satiate the appetites of the kissingers of and epsteins of this world oh god no <laughs> Yeah, the people who've who've ruined their organs through overindulgence for years and years. Um, Look, the, I have. Uh, I just accept oh, yeah. that I'm gonna. Uh, <laughs> I'm just, there's a limited time, right, that in, in which to uh, draw breath. I don't. I don't want to be around. Tell the truth. It's um. Yeah, exactly. It's like sometimes I wonder, you know. If I could ever be well adjusted to the kind of society that these people are trying to build, no, no, you, you, you're you're essentially well, and a neo in the matrix, right? You, you'd reject the programming. Um, yeah, it's just because the thing is, is that I, I used to brainstorm about this sort of thing years and years ago. So, I mean, I it, it's. I think the most surreal aspect about all of this to me anyway, is that um, I, I used to get into into debates about this with people um, a very, very long time. I mean, well, in relative terms, uh, a long time ago. I mean, this is like a decade ago. This was this was before it, it even it even started to become obvious to people what was going on. I'd get into debates with people about. AIs replacing humanity 
about uh, mass unemployment due to automation, about the return of of feudalism uh, because of the the huge and and growing uh, wealth disparity between the average person and these billionaire CEOs and their their foundations and all of that, um, and as as well as the potential of all these new technologies to be used to create a kind of a, a technocratic surveillance state kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And I used to get into arguments with people about this a decade ago. And everybody, the, the message I got from people, I mean, what people told me um, was, you know, this is never going to happen. They're never going to do that. Um, it's, this is all in your head. This is, this is just, this is ridiculous fantasy stuff. This is the, I mean, this is not no, engaging in wrong think Spartacus. How dare yes. you? Nobody's going to be uh, unemployed by AI. They'll just, um, come up with new jobs for those people to do. Mm. Um, the techn technocracy isn't going to take over. Uh, we're not going to have neo-feudalism. We're not going to have a rent uh, rentier overlords forcing us to rent everything from them to live. Uh, and and transhumanism is probably going to be oh some uh, brief fad or folly kind of, and it's never really going to take off. And and we're not going to see mass augmentation of human beings kind of a thing. Mm. Um, that's all just nonsense. The you're, you have your head in the clouds. Um, but the way it's looking to me right now is that I didn't have my head in the clouds. It, it looks like I was just so far ahead of the curve that, I mean, I, I must have looked insane to people well, back then. I, I can just tell you from my own experience that it was just sort of taken as a given that these developments were a priori a good thing. So then uh, the, the the ethicists and the they'll keep a handle on stuff. And I I had I had a faith in that system that was obviously ill ill founded. Yeah. And you know that and it's just it's the stupid case of thinking that psychopaths think like you do when it's obvious that they don't. Um, yeah. I'm yeah, I'm I'm concerned how I see things progressing at, at the moment and you know the you know the the most immediate obviously just being the the cull that they're doing they, that they would instantiate and just you know I I said the other day right if if look they're obviously pivoting to Towards the Pacific and standoff there. Yeah. Um, and just think how many Americans right now would fall for another Gulf of Tompkin type incident, right? Where you know, in order to um, to bring about their their uh, technocratic Internet of Things and Internet of Bodies centric. Uh, future and their mass surveillance neo-feudalistic society that they're, that they're trying to build, they need microchips. They need lots and lots and lots of microchips. Mm. Well, um, or do they? 
this is the thing that that people don't get about about um, synthetic biology and bio nanotechnology is that once you get to a, a certain level with this stuff, you get to the point where you can grow computers. I, I know how how that sounds like like almost like it's an oversimplification, like the like some of this this kind of like like some fantasy stuff. But think about how computers are produced today uh, with uh, like lithography machines uh, doing laser lithography with a mask on on silicon, right? Um, and to etch the the uh, the the traces into them, right? The the circuits and the and the transistors and all that. Um, Which is incredible but, technology, and, by the way. I mean, can't yes, it say, isn't it enough? <laughs> Look! Look at those those uh, like EUV machines. Good grief! Yeah, yeah, incredible. Yeah, amazing. Um, but that's a top-down approach to building a integrated circuit. What they're looking at when you look look into what like like Charles Lieber was doing, and then you look into what some of these other people involved in in synthetic biology and and biotechnology are doing. One of the things that they're looking into is using organic-like systems um to construct integrated circuits from the the bottom up by having them self assemble from their constituent components yeah and when once you get into that realm we get into a really kind of a disturbing kind of a tit for tat situation with china uh where um where taiwan is no longer even a bargaining chip mm. It's like because uh, DARPA is growing uh, computers in a basement somewhere. Mm. It, it, I mean, it no long, I mean, we're getting to a point now where pretty much all of our conventional thinking about geopolitics and about which, which countries have which resources that belong to whom, like all of that is going to be made completely irrelevant by these new technologies. These new technologies are going to enable the complete decentralization of various forms of, of production. And I, I think that a lot of, of, of people, um, I think that a lot of, um, a lot of our rivals see that and they see the potential for that to completely invalidate their entire model of trade. Mm so to speak and they realize you know their their days are numbered this is this is really bad because you know if they have if if they they no are no longer able to monopolize the market and then yeah. they're going to have they're going to have social complete social collapse at home they're not going to be able to, to to keep their population in check um, so part of this whole situation of of them just of them wiping people out with a vaccine and culling the population is just so they can they can try and maintain the social fabric in light of of the other things that they're doing that are that are also restructuring mm. the whole system. Yeah, it's a um, well, the the current trajectory doesn't look right for for this. Well, for man as we understand it right now and and the um the, these the the people that do have the hands on the levers that are creating this system just have, have shown their 
abject lack of um it's not ability is it um they're just moral and ethical um framework to be to be engaged in this type of endeavor and I'm we don't have the moral framework we don't have the regulatory framework we don't have anything they're, they're forging ahead into the unknown with no guardrails at all mm. and that's the that's the part that that shocks me the most about this not not the virus not the vaccine the fact that they are just going full steam ahead on this synthetic biology business without a care in the world yeah it's that is the most disturbing thing to me that I could possibly imagine. Well, uh, you know, the I'll have to finish on this, dude, because I, I, I need the bathroom real bad. But the um, the disturbing thing is when you think about the. I'm just looking at the embryo on the page there. Um, when you think how many human embryos were sucked into the research pipeline out of those eugenics labs, essentially, mm -hmm. that, that fueled this, I don't know what to call it, it's not research, it's more than that. And we, we sat idly by many of us uh, like some of us just were actively contributing to this system i would i would have been cheerleading along not so long ago it was this <laughs> it's brave new world because I, I i would have thought i was one of the special ones in the in the system and yeah i i, I, I don't know how you can turn enough people around it that who are embedded in that system to tell them that the, the, the you know, you, what you're doing is existentially dangerous, not only to us but yourself as well, and the to the entire ecosystem, mm. to all life on Earth, mm. not just humans. Mm. This is what they're doing is extremely dangerous, and they and they they don't even they cannot even grasp what the consequences will be because the system that they, that they are approaching is so complex. They have not even analyzed a tiny fraction of it. Yeah. This, and this, they, and, there's an event horizon to this technology that we can't, um, that is always going to be opaque to us. We, and... we don't even know enough about the, the, the ecosystem as it sits right, right. now Right. To be able to to predict what the addition of of like one or two new artificially generated genes will do, and what 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 did we do to try to understand that ecosystem? Some somehow we ended up with the likes of Metabiota and and <laughs> EcoHealth and all that, all that type of infrastructure. Um, yeah, man, we fucked up big time. All right, dude. I'm gonna I've got to pull the ripcord, but um, always uh, fascinating. What a what a note to end on. More for space for synthetic organs, <laughs> coupled with your COVID it's moral fantastic as always. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's always a pleasure, dude. And uh, yeah, God bless you for uh, keeping an eye out and 
um, pulling these gems in, man. Um, they they really do Thanks. hammer the point home. And uh, see that lick spittles? <laughs> You're done for <laughs> unless you turn it around. All right, I gotta I gotta hang up and uh, hit the hit the outro. All right, so uh, you take care. And, hey, have a good one. Yeah, you too, man. Take care. All right, folks, there you go. Uh, Spark as well, dropping um, uh, the uh, mind warping, mind warping space into which we're going. I've got to uh, head out. I want to say thank you to uh, Ellen for a um, dino and no one else you all the you you can have my uh favorite at the moment uh freak back oh god i just hang for the days of uh <laughs> all right i'm out of here guys take care god bless and uh <laughs> don't let the morpha space peddlers get away with it all right see you in the next one bro you don't know how angry i am you do I'm like i was just leaving for fucking work you do not understand how fucking first off after reading that all line i will be arrested for not taking a fucking vaccine fuck this capper i will fucking kill each fucking capper i'm kidding this is not a fucking joke anymore Russ is fucking dead serious. I am fucking dead serious. These people don't know who the fuck they actually saying. Fuck these chapters. No fucking vaccine or MRA or ever first in my fucking war blood. Never. No. I will fucking die. Fucking fighting for my fucking bees and my fucking forefathers and my fucking living. Fuck these motherfuckers. All that I like this guy. <laughs> 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 <laughs>